Welcome into this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here alongside my good friend and co-host, sports director at KORN Radio in Mitchell, South Dakota. It's Travis Krins. Travis, how are we doing? Good. It was 91 yesterday. It's supposed to be 89 today. I think this will be the two warmest days left in the year, I think. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Uh, was it warm in Omaha? You were down in Omaha uh, for the weekend. Uh, how was it? How was Melissa's birthday and all that jazz? Beautiful in Omaha. Perfect weather, probably. Low 80s is probably what it was. So, weather was nice. Uh, it was Melissa's birthday yesterday on Tuesday the 19th. Uh, down in Omaha. Um, the loudest noise I have ever heard, Stacking. Uh-oh. Um, WNIT, South Dakota State Games. Oh, yes. Yep. Some uh, summer league tournaments. You get 10,000 people. Some league tournaments have been allowed. A couple of Twins games I've been to has been pretty, uh, the Metrodome were loud. Mm-hmm. When the Jonas Brothers came out, about 8 o'clock, <laughs> there are... Probably fifteen thousand people in this arena. Yep. Were you uh, at uh, were you at the, what, like the like um, CHI arena? Like was yep. it a- CHI Creek uh, Place? Yep. Yep. Okay. Mike's arena. An old seventeen and a half, I think. So I would guess there were fifteen thousand there. I mean, it was full based on what was with the stage and everything, and. I'd say it was ninety percent guys, maybe at least eighty percent, or women, I should say. So, when these th- three son of a guns came out on stage, the <laughs> screaming, the yelling, it was uh, twenty thirty seconds. And I'm like, hopefully, I can be able to hear them next day. I want. I th- I'm sure it was loud there. I can only imagine what it what it's been like at a at a T Swizzle concert. Taylor That's Swift what I concert. thought. I'm like, all right, I'm taking Taylor Swift. And if it's outside of the stadium, I guess, the noise is not somewhere to go. But if you put her in a closed environment, I would imagine that would be pretty similar to that. I have heard that when she came and did her Eras tour in Minneapolis, that that was the loudest it's ever been in U.S. Bank Stadium. So louder than the Minneapolis Miracle. I find that a little hard to believe, but at the same time, you have so many, uh, you know, uh, probably the majority teenage girls or whatever that are just loving T-Swizzle and and getting out there. And I I can imagine it was awfully loud in there. And then you start singing and everything like that. I don't know for sure if that, like, if that's a bona fide fact that, when Taylor Swift came to U.S. Bank Stadium, that it's the loudest recorded it's ever been in there, but it had to have been among the top two or three, I would say. And what, what causes people to do that? I don't know. You know we get excited for a sports thing. I don't like just just to see somebody. I don't I don't like somebody that that much just to go crazy just at the sight of that. You know, Michael Jordan would be that person, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't scream at the top of my lungs. Oh, Michael Jordan! Oh my God! There was a like a community day. There was something that we did in Charlotte, mm. and he did get that reaction. There was a bunch of kids who'd never seen him play because they were all younger. Yeah, who were five to ten years old, and 
he surprised them, but when he came out, ah, everybody screamed. Yep. Like, okay. I, 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 don't, I, just, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have done that. That would not have been my reaction, but I... I don't know. That's weird. We got our sports things. They've got other other things, and man, they just go nuts at the sight. Yeah, some of these people. I was going to ask if you ever did see Michael Jordan when you interned with the Charlotte Bobcats. Did I? Yeah, I saw him. Yeah, three, three, four times. The one was at that that thing I just mentioned. Yep. The yep. I was there. I was in the elevator with him and his future wife. I think Charles Oakley was there. Some bodyguards taking the stamp monitors out. And I just stood there. They say, oh, don't shake his hand. Don't introduce yourself. I should have, but I didn't. So I was right there by him. Mm-hmm. And then there was another time he walked, me and my other intern, we were doing something. He walked behind us. I didn't really notice him. Then we looked, and that was him. So... Like he was there. Oh yes, yeah. This is this is the guy. So it was. Yeah, well, you don't go crazy. So I don't know why. Best concert I've been to was Garth Brooks, and he got a lot of reaction too. But I didn't do that. It's just some people's fandom. Some people get uh, you know get all. Um, I don't want to say worked up, but boy, they they just they love them. They they just they love them, and they they're gonna scream and. Uh, you know, they should just get caught up in all the energy and excitement and... They do, they do that. Um, let's go, let, you know, let's, let's first, let's not talk about the Vikings. All right, now let's, let's talk about the Jackrabbits here for a minute. Uh, let's talk some college football. I was at the game on Saturday, Target Field, 18,000 people there. These, you know, could have been better, um, could have been bigger, but, uh, they throttled Drake, gave up the first seven, scored the last 70. And I I don't feel like we have a firm grasp of just how good this team is this year because in the two games that weren't against Montana State, they haven't played anyone. Western Oregon, decent D2 team, but SDSU superior. Drake, awful FCS team, SDSU far superior. Game against Montana State, SDSU did not play their best game. Uh, Montana State would probably say the same. That they didn't either. A lot of penalties and some questionable uh, calls in that game. So as we, I get that SDSU has the bye this week. But as we go into Missouri Valley play, I do. I still think it's SDSU and then the rest of them. Like there, there's really no question to that. I guess you know we'll get that answer when NDSU comes. What November fourth, I believe. But I don't really know how good this team is. They. Like, do, do we really know how good SDSU is at this point? Yeah, I like Montana State. People say they didn't play well. I didn't see the game, so I don't know. But how much of that is because they played Montana State? I think that's a that's certainly a part of it. Usually when you play a good team, you're probably not going to play great. I mean, they're trying to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, don't, I think they'll be fine. I think they're, they're the favorites. You can say North Dakota State again, capable of beating them. They have to play well to beat them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're, they're good. They're fine. Um, that's kind of a showcase for SDSU. I think attendance was good. Yeah. You know, is kind of what they get at home. And you're asking, you know, 
all these people. And I'm like, there was a lot of people that usually go to the games that also went to Minneapolis, made the long drive out there, and there were people, you know, you're closer, so this will be your chance to see a game. And there are a lot of people in the in Minneapolis area, so... I think, uh, what did uh, NDSU get, like 25,000, 20, 27,000? 23 or 24. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't very so, big. So, you know, bigger stadium, uh, better opponent. This one was yep. basically an, an exhibition game Yes. for SDSU. So. Did you see pictures of how the field was set up? Yes. Okay. I was in the left field seats, so my cousins and I went, and I was the only one affiliated with SDSU. They just went because, hey, it's cool. Left field or right field? Left field? Uh, right field. Right okay. Field. okay. Sorry. Um, so we're in like the, you know, the the stance with like the the metal chairs or whatever. So we wouldn't have like the seat backs or like general seating. So it was really cool view from there. So we were on the Drake sideline, but you know, you have the like one of the field goal posts is right by the Twins' dugout, like right in front of it, and then the other one's all the way out by the bleachers in in left, uh-huh. where the band was and everything. So good setup. I did think that there were a number of injuries, seen mainly to Drake, and I don't know if that's because they were playing on <clears throat> the dirt on a baseball field or whatever, but there did seem to be a number of of. Injuries, uh, fortunately, didn't really seem to affect SDSU, so I don't know if that speaks more about Drake or whatever. But I, that was my big concern. It was like, okay, this is really cool. Like the the sideline for SDSU, it was that was the whole lower level was packed on that side, so that mm-hmm. was cool to see. Um, I just like, okay, let's not get injured here at all on on the dirt. You don't want that, but SDSU. Blew them away as you would expect. It was a very neat experience, and I hope that they come back there because I would love to go back to a game. And you had the one end zone in the dirt. Like the, the goal yes. line was literally like on a baseline or in the dirt. Yes, it was, yeah, baseline. Because home was just out, like, yeah, home plate was just beyond the right side of the end zone there, the, the corner. So that was interesting, and yeah, that's not. Not great to play. It looks cool, but yeah, not great to have dirt out there. But at the same time, you know, how many bowl games are played on baseball fields? The Pinstripe yeah. Bowl is played at Yankee Stadium. Fenway Bowl is played at Fenway Park. They've played games at Wrigley Field during the regular season. I think they, they, they cover up the dirt. I yes. I, yeah, yeah, but that's when the baseball season is done. So this was obviously a bit of an exception there. So, um, yeah, but it was a cool experience. And... You know, last week we were talking like, okay, this isn't a really great week, and you know we're really geared up for this week. This week is going to be a fantastic week of college football. But last week had some noticeable um, games to it. Uh, Missouri beat Kansas State on a 61-yard field goal. Absolutely incredible. Colorado escaped Colorado State in a chippy game uh, that you know was on until the wee hours of the morning and had 9.3 million viewers. It's the fifth highest rated or highest viewed regular season game for ESPN ever, like for a college football game. So that was uh, exceptional. Uh, yeah, Tennessee lost, so they, they were pretty much done. The SEC is bad. Alabama has bad quarterback play. Georgia was down 14-3. So outside of Kansas State losing and Tennessee losing, we didn't have a whole lot of I don't know, 
stuff that happened. I guess Florida State nearly lost. But there's a, a lot of close calls and a lot of head scratchers, specifically from the SEC. Texas, their frauds. I'm sorry. Not yet. Not yet. They don't think they are. Tied at 10, playing Wyoming at home. Hey, Wyoming did come back and beat Texas Tech. You know how mighty Texas Tech is, right? right. <laughs> the mighty Quinn Ewers, 11 of 21 for 131. Yes. Sorry, you're going to... Not a believer in Texas, uh, Florida State, almost flip, flip away. It was not a good week on paper, and yeah, Alabama nearly loses to South Florida with a 10-3 to 3 with a minute to go. Yep. Yep. And they did score a garbage touchdown, and you know, Tennessee with the, with the big loss there to knock them out. So not, not a lot happened um, in a week that you didn't think a lot would happen. And there, really, really, there was a couple big upsets that Iowa scored 41 points, my God. Yep, yep. Uh, how, how did we do? I think we got uh, at least Missouri. Uh, Missouri beat Kansas State. What did I think we had that one? You did, yes. That was your upset of the week. Your watch your ass game of the week was LSU at Mississippi State. LSU. They didn't have to watch their ass. They, they beat them pretty solid. Yep. Game of the week, you had Washington at Michigan State. That one was not never a contest. Washington won 41-7. to But, yes, you did hit home on the Missouri over Kansas State uh, pick, which I know uh, Melissa wasn't liking it. Her family wasn't liking it. I haven't so. told her. I haven't told her. So as long as she doesn't know, she might not find out. Okay. All right. Well, we won't tell her then. We won't tell her. And, and I mean, Georgia, Georgia, South Carolina, that was competitive. Yep. I mean, Georgia's down 14-3, and that's why I think, you know, the SEC is just not that good this year, it appears, because uh, Alabama has the quarterback questions. The Pac-12 is by far and away the best conference in college football this year, and we'll see if that continues or, you know, I kind of feel like they're all going to cannibalize on one another. And Who's the best you know, team in the Pac-12? Right now, I'd say Washington. How they do? How would they do against Georgia? Hmm. How would Washington do against Georgia? Let's say they play it in Phoenix or Dallas or some some damn where. I think they lose by ten to seventeen points. Is USC the second best team? I don't know. Oregon, Michigan, oh. maybe. Michigan. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about in the Pac-12. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah, USC would be then followed by Oregon. And then LSU probably the second best team in the SEC. Yes. Yeah, I mean Alabama not not good. Their quarterbacks, both of them bad. So uh, yeah, Alabama they uh, they need to find uh, find a quarterback because I don't think there's one on the roster that's going to do it. And their defense, you know, they gave only three points up to South Florida, but I don't know if their defense is good and nearly good enough to. To make up for their inefficiencies on all, they can't run the ball, they can't pass the ball. Right. And South Florida is just an awful team. But watch Alabama. You know, I, I, Alabama plays Ole Miss this week. It's one of the big games on the slate. Uh, we have six games pitting ranked teams against one another this week. I got uh, last week. I said not not real. It's you know what six ranked game, but then you go down. But I'm not. Most of these games do nothing for them. Just because there's a number by these teams doesn't mean, you know, it's... Like that game right there, Old Miss and Alabama. Yep. And I'm, 
I'm interested in it to see how bad Alabama is. That's what I'm interested. Can Old Miss win? I mean, I think they've done that before here mm-hmm. in the last ten years, but. Don't you feel as though this is the game where everyone's kind of doubting Alabama and this is the game that Lane Kiffin should be able to beat Nick Saban, that Ole Miss should be able to beat Alabama, and yet they won't. I feel like they're going to come up short. Like, this is the game, until Ole Miss can beat Alabama, I have to go with Alabama. It's, I, I just can't, until until he does it, until Lane Kiffin can show us that he can beat Bama and Bama, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take Alabama, right or wrong. Alabama's a six and a half point favorite. Are they going back to their original quarterback? Yes, yes. Jalen um, Miltro is is uh, he um, will start. Yeah, start. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, you got to pick Alabama, but boy, they they have looked un-Alabama like. Yes, yes. So that there, you know. I'm interested to see how bad Alabama is. And it doesn't, you know, a loss essentially knocks Alabama out mm-hmm. of the playoff for the most part. But, again, not Old Miss Alabama, 13 versus 15. Okay, I, that doesn't, for me, that, that's not... And don't you think that it's because of the name Alabama? Like, based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks, Alabama does not deserve to be ranked, or at least ranked that high. So, Texas is good. They, I mean, they, they kind of got stopped by Texas. They they came back at the end, tried to make it interesting. But, yeah, we will see. We'll see if they can turn things around here. If they can, you know. I did just, you know, a lot of new... Guys, new offensive line, new, I mean, at some point it just, the dynasty ends. Yeah. This appears to be it. Well, don't we kind of feel like we're seeing the the dynasties of Alabama and Clemson fall before our very eyes? Clemson's falling far faster than any of us thought, and Alabama's starting to crumble uh, quicker than we all thought, too. I mean, Clemson plays... FSU plays Florida State in at noon, 11 a.m. Uh, Central Time on ABC. And that game, you that's a good game, and that's kind of the appetizer. But here you have a Clemson team unranked. Florida State barely survived Boston College. There, This is a game that Florida State has to win, I think, if they want any chance at going to the college football playoff. You have to beat Clemson. Uh, that appears to be the only game left on their schedule. Which is why they have to win it, I think. Yes. Um, other than that, it would be a massive, massive upset. Duke? If Duke. Beat, I mean, yeah, whatever. Duke. That's the home even. Um, you know, if they can beat Clemson, they should. I mean, you know, upsets happen. Yep. But uh, ACC does not look very good this year. No, you just look at the rest of Florida State's schedule, and it is no. not good. Uh, apart from that Duke game, but that game is in Tallahassee. So this game, you know, for Clemson, this is a chance for Clemson too to silence all the haters, silence all the doubters. And I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy that they're going to be able to do that. So that's a big game in the in the noon window, in the early window. Then you have the afternoon window. Uh, Alabama and Ole Miss are at three thirty p.m. Eastern, two thirty p.m. Central Time on CBS. 
Uh, we talked about that. You have a pack. Then you have two Pac-12 games: UCLA at Utah. UCLA 22nd. Uh, Utah's 11th ranked. That's at 3:30 p.m. Eastern, 2:30 p.m. Central Time on Fox, and at that same time on ABC, it's Colorado and Oregon. That's the game everyone's going to want to watch: is Colorado at Oregon. See what Deion Sanders, Shadir Sanders, can do on the road. This is their really like. Biggest test, true test of the season thus far. Can they go on the road and beat a very good Oregon Ducks team? I, I think Bo Nix and Oregon are going to beat them. Now, the spread right now is 21 points. Travis Hunter isn't going to play for Colorado. I don't think Oregon's going to win by that much, but I do think Oregon's going to win. And then we'll get to see what Colorado, how they respond after the first loss and some adversity. I think Oregon is going to win by a lot. I hope so. I really do. Why do you hope so? Because I'm tired of everyone talking about Colorado. No, I love it. Everybody loves Colorado. You know, they're going to lose to Oregon. They're going to lose to USC. But then after that, you know, they can, they got Arizona State, Stanford. You know, they almost lost to Colorado State. That would have been a god-awful loss. But uh, it should be 5-2. Six, you know, I think, you know, six and six and six, seven and five, I think is what we're looking for here. So, um, we're looking at a bowl game, and this is the game I will be watching because even, I mean, they're probably going to lose by a lot because their defense is not very good. And uh, maybe, you know, maybe it'll be a 65 61 type of game where they pull it out like that because I think that's what they're going to have to do. I am curious, you know, come two weeks here, like, let's say they lose to Oregon. I'm very curious for that USC game because USC doesn't always fare well playing in Boulder uh, uh-huh. against Colorado. I know they've lost there in years past, but with how bad that Colorado defense is, Caleb Williams should be able to shred them and put up point after point. But USC's defense isn't very good, and Colorado uh-huh. can put up a ton of points. So... I think this is the bigger test against Oregon than what they will face next week against USC. Uh, I, I, USC's I offense will be better. better shot against USC. You're, you give Colorado a better shot against USC? Just because it's at home. And I give it to them as well as the USC defense isn't very good. I think they're better than they were last. Maybe a smidge. Maybe a smidge. Uh, they gave up ten points to Stanford, fourteen to Nevada. I think, I think they're they're better than last year. So, I mean, they're fun to watch too. Entertaining games like you know this game's at midnight, two one a.m. and people are watching this thing late into the early mornings of Sunday. Yes, I did see. I, I saw a little bit of Georgia South Carolina at the hotel. I turned that on. I'm like, oh, that's close. And then we got back from this concert before, right before midnight, and let's check on that game. I knew it was close, and uh, you watch that for a little bit, and I'm like, oh, this is closer than it should be. So with the words that were said that, you know, in, in, in the lead-up, I mean, 9 million people watching a game that started at, what, 10 a, at 10 a, at 10 p.m. Eastern time and, and went into one one thirty. that's... That's incredible. It is. It's absolutely amazing. And again, given the opponent too, Colorado State. Now I don't yeah. know if if the the chatter leading up to the week had anything to do with it. Um, I I had if to, it really could beat Oregon 
Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Then they could be Oregon. They're going to play that game, what, at 10 a.m. Colorado time? Yes. Yep. Uh, Fox. Fox has that game. they got to be looking at chop. Oh, my God. We, yep. we stumbled into something here. Yes. Yes. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, having said that, yeah, I, I think we're both in agreement that Oregon wins that 21 point. I'm starting to believe this Colorado team is better than, uh, certainly they're better than what I initially predicted them for this season to be, but they're even, they're better than I think, I, I, I don't know. It just feels to me like 21 points is a little much given how well they've played thus far. But then you think back, they almost lost to Colorado State, having to go on the road at Oregon. Like, that's a double overtime game. That was a late uh, late game. You don't have Travis Hunter, so Oregon probably lights them up. And then we'll see just truly how good Colorado is. But, yeah, that that's, a, that's an interesting game there, to say the least. I am really looking forward, though, then to the evening. Uh, Oregon State at Washington State. 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Doesn't do a whole lot for a lot of people, but this is a great chance for Oregon State to prove that they uh, should be in the discussion for best teams in the Pac-12. And this will be the future of the Pac-12, or the Pac-2, I should say, as these are the lone two teams remaining in the Pac, uh, in that specific conference. I did see there's a Yahoo story talking about perhaps re- relegation like they do in uh, English Premier League soccer and whatnot. Uh, if they do that with them in the Mountain West and maybe adding South Dakota State and North Dakota State, pure speculation, but that would certainly be interesting. Were they mentioned in that article? What's that? Were they mentioned? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. I would love to, I don't see it ever happening. I would love to see it. The, I guess you would have to say, okay, if you're in the Pac-10, you get, you know, $30 million a year, whatever their contract would be. If you're in the in the Mountain West, you get 15 or 20 million, so there'd have to be that change in the money. And okay, who gets in the playoff? I guess the Pac-10 winner would get in the playoff. And with those TV contracts, you may have all the unattractive teams in the big in, in the Pac-12. And it'd be, I'd love to see it. I don't know how it would work. I'm, they could make it work, but I I, I never see them. I, I think if you're adding the Dakota schools, given how great Montana State's been lately and the regionalization of this all, especially within the Mountain West, why not add Montana State and Montana too? Like, that would yeah. help. That'd be fine with me. So It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting how Washington State and Oregon State do not want to be demoted to the what would seem to be a demotion mm-hmm. to the Mountain West. Because, as I've said many times... Every school that has changed a conference has gone to a better conference. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever gone to a lesser than conference. Right. Except these two. And you're the only two left, and there's nobody else left in your conference. Mm-hmm. And you're dragging and kicking and screaming. Well, that's why they want to absorb the Mountain West schools. That's why well, the Mountain West should be like, no, we don't need you. What the hell do we need Oregon State and Washington State? You're usually... Not that great. Now you're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, you want to join us? By all means, we're over here. This is the Mountain West. We're not going to the Pac-2. So. See, I think if they were to do this whole thing, and you would add, like, if, if let's say they keep Hawaii in there too, mm-hmm. um, then 
because Hawaii's in the Big West for basketball, that's where you add Gonzaga in for for basketball. Can you imagine that Gonzaga at in Brookings, South Dakota, to take on the Jackrabbits in a in a conference game? Wouldn't that be wild? Well, uh, the women, the women of Batty, I remember going to a game. Yes, uh, I'm talking the men though. season, the at least the women uh, opened up there. That'd be cool. I'm thinking that'd like big, uh, that'd be that'd be great for for SDSU and NDSU and all. Yes, and. I, I, and it just came to me because I was like, I don't really want Hawaii in for football if that's how it's going to be. But then I thought, well, because they're in the Big West for basketball, the way to sub that in if you were to go this route for even basketball, because you could do the relegation in basketball too. It's not wouldn't be that hard. But you would be able to add Gonzaga into that mix as well. That makes the Mountain West pack whatever the hell you want to call it. That would be very intriguing basketball-wise. I mean, Gonzaga would probably wipe the floor with everyone. But it would be really competitive. You have the San Diego States in there. Um, you, you have you know, Colorado State's decent, but you have a good Jackrabbit program and the Bison and stuff. That, that would be interesting. But I digress. That's getting off a little bit there. So that's at 7 p.m. But I'm really, I think the game I'm most excited for outside of Colorado and Oregon, and I think I'm even more excited for this one because I've called this upset for this upset since the beginning of the season when I went through everything, picked all the records. Ohio State at Notre Dame, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Six-seeded Ohio State Buckeyes, nine or ninth-ranked Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's going to win. Sam Hartman's great. I don't really trust Ohio State to this point. Uh, give me Notre Dame to beat Ohio State. Yeah, you know, Iowa State's a three-point favorite. They got a good quarterback. This is a game they need to win here to bolster their resume. Ohio State's probably good. I scored, what, 60-some last week. But, yeah, I mean, in the past, I feel like these games have disappointed. They've been on the road. Notre Dame's been on the road for the most part. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's a good, well, much better than last week. It is... A good week, hopefully a, a, a week where I just get to sit and watch a lot of these. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them don't do much for me because I don't. I don't think Colorado and Oregon is going to be close. Utah, UCLA doesn't do a whole lot for me. That Old Miss Alabama game could be a struggle. So Ohio State uh, Notre Dame would be the game because I assume you aren't really uh, excited for Iowa at Penn State at seven thirty p.m. Eastern, uh, six thirty p.m. Central on CBS. I'll watch Oregon State Washington State if my remote gets broken and it just happens to be on there. Okay. Um, yeah, Penn State Iowa it's on CBS. I, I like the first big CBS game. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know. Penn State, 15-point favorites. You know, I just hope some of these games are good. I don't know how many of these games are actually going to be good. Well, that's the thing, too. You know, we, we talk about how good this looks on paper, and I'm going to talk to Charlie later on in the podcast, and I'm going to ask him what what he anticipates, like how, like, if we're going to, if we could rank this week on a scale of 1 to 10, just what we're seeing the matchups be on paper, and I'll, so I'll ask you this: What would what would you rank it as? A seven. Okay. And what do you think will rank it as? So after after all of Saturday's games and everything, after we've had time to digest it, and after all the results are in, what do you think? If I oh, and I ask you this next week, 
I'm going to ask you to rank it. What do you What do you anticipate you will rank the weekend as? Maybe a six. Oh, so that's not too far off. Like Florida State should win by quite a quite a lot. I mean, they proved to me you're number four against a not so good Clemson team. Mm-hmm. Oregon should win by a lot. Utah might win by a couple touchdowns. Alabama might win, but it might be ugly. Maybe they score 35. Nobody wants to see that. Oregon State, Washington State, I don't know, maybe that'll be an entertaining game. Then Notre Dame, Ohio State, maybe that'll be an entertaining game. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how this thing uh, plays out. So, I mean, hopefully there's, like, next week is uh, Utah, Oregon State on a Friday night. Awesome. What if Utah and Oregon State both win? They might both be in the top ten. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, USC, Colorado, I'm going to watch that, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, LSU at Old Miss next week. Uh, Notre Dame, if they win, they got to go with Duke. That's yeah. Notre Dame, can you beat Ohio State and Duke in back-to-back weeks? So. Would be something. Yeah, I mean, this is a... This next six weeks, six or seven weeks for Notre Dame specifically, this is college football playoff uh, defining moments for it because you have games against Clemson, Duke, Ohio State, USC at the end. I mean, there, there's a lot going on here for Notre Dame. They control their destiny more than any other team, I think, regarding because they don't have a they don't have a champ they don't have a conference championship game because they're independent. But they, if they go through this gauntlet, if they have only one loss at the end of the regular season, they're going to the college football playoff. Like, they can just sit back and watch a conference championship Saturday or weekend and be like, yeah, we're comfortable with where we're at. Because if you're beating Clemson and Duke, and if you have one loss, whether that be to Ohio State or uh, USC, ah, fine, I'm comfortable with it. Like In a month, it's week 8, October 21st. Utah is uh, Utah is at USC. Ooh, yeah, I, I gotta go USC. Penn State is at Ohio State. Ooh, yeah. Duke is at Florida State. Oh boy, that's uh, my juicy well, matchups there. Washington State plays Oregon, and uh, Tennessee plays at Alabama. That's, that's a good week coming up. You know what? Out of all those games you mentioned, Tennessee at Alabama is the least appetizing of those of those matchups. Isn't that odd what? to say? Unless Alabama can look a little bit better. Yeah, they're they're not fun to watch. So. Week four, game of the week. What do you ha- what do you like for us? Yes, this is the game I think is going to be the most entertaining. Or I would, or, or maybe the, if you got to watch one game, you watch Ohio State Notre Dame. Okay. So game of the week, Ohio State Notre Dame, the what top ten? So game of the week would be that upset of the week. I think Pittsburgh beats North Carolina. Ooh. Uh, North Carolina is a seven and a half point favorite on the road. Okay. Uh, North Carolina not exactly killing it at the moment. Mm-hmm. So. And then uh, watch your ass game of the week. Texas at Baylor. Okay. Baylor's a 15-point underdog. Not impressed with Texas going into or 
hosting Wyoming and being tied at 10 in the fourth quarter. So, Texas going on the road. Watch your aspects. Very good. Let's, uh, let's go from the college ranks to the pros. Vikings lose Thursday night, but uh, and they would have won, I believe, had it not been for Justin Jefferson fumbling at the pylon or at the goal line and the ball going over the pylon. It's one of the worst rules in sports, but they know it. you got to hang on to the damn ball. Uh, the Vikings, four turnovers in this game. Uh, they've had seven turnovers in two games. And that's the difference. You have seven turnovers, minus six in the turnover differential, and you lose by a combined nine points. I get that DeAndre Swift ran all over him. That's something that's got to be corrected. But they really did a good job on Jalen Hurts for the most part. And really, I think overall, I mean, they had a shot to win. Or for certainly take the lead going into half. I mean, that's a 10-point swing minimum here. I am perhaps... Slightly optimistic after watching how they went into Philly and battled the Eagles versus how it went last year when they got destroyed 24-7. And really what's holding this team back from a 2-0 start are the turnovers. So hang on to the ball and you're set up for success. I, I liked I liked their response and I like how Kirk Cousins is throwing it. Yes, you need to get the ground game going and shame on all the Vikings fans or football fans out there who went after Alexander Madison calling him an N-word, uh, saying he should shoot himself, all that. Like, that's terrible. Like, don't do it. And he's not responsible for the Vikings losing that game. Yeah, he had one of the fumbles, one of the turnovers, but he can't run behind that offensive line. Uh, the against the best defensive line in football? No, like you gotta be, you, you gotta understand what's going on here. So I, I'm I left that game disappointed that they lost, but encouraged by how things have gone through two weeks. Like that, yes, minus nine point differential, but you just clean up and take care of the football. They'll be okay. They'll be okay. Very much closer than I thought it would be. They have to win against the Chargers. They do. This is a must win. Like you talk about two teams at 0-2 coming in. One team, one of these teams, one of these very good teams is going or above average teams. I'm gonna say above average. Is gonna be 0-3. Did you see what Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, said after their loss to Tennessee in overtime? There's gonna go four on every fourth down. Well, he said, yeah, I mean he was just talking, he was asked about, you know, is there a lingering effect from the Jacksonville Jaguars mm-hmm. loss in the playoffs last year? And he, he was asked about how the mood was, and he said, well, we just lost in overtime there. How do you think they feel, Jeff? Huh? How do you think you they yeah, feel, God Jeff? God damn it, Jeff. Ask a good goddamn question, Jeff. Yeah. Damn it, Jeff. Like, well, he's feeling the pressure because he should have been fired last year. He should have. He's Yeah, yes. And... I mean, the Chargers are the Vikings, and the Vikings are the Chargers. Yes. This is why I wanted the game on Monday Night Football, to see if the Chargers could charge her away a loss or the Vikings could somehow win in prime time. Like, these two teams are meant to play in a standalone game. The, the, the Chargers can't hold on to a lead. Uh, the Vikings always play a close game. They always come from behind. Logic would say the Chargers have a 17-point lead and the Vikings come and make it close. Again, you got the Panthers next week. You feel like you should be able to beat them. They look pretty awful. Yes. 
Then you got the Chiefs, so if you don't win this game, you're staring one and four in the face, and probably no better than uh, two and five. Yeah, because you're at Chicago, and I'm not so sure they're beating the Bears. Oh, the Bears stink. Have you seen the Bears? Like I've seen the Bears. The Bears are not good. Two hundred forty-six uh, yards of offense against the Bucks, but they don't play well in Chicago ever. We true. know that. But it's a noon kickoff in in October. Like, this is a very rare... I definitely Chicago just, you know, don't like playing the Bears in Chicago, and then you got San Francisco. So. The Chargers have scored 60 points this year. Justin, and have not turned the ball over yet, and yet they're 0-2. Their defense is terrible. It shouldn't be terrible. They have Khalil Mack, they have... Oh, really? Khalil Mack, I looked at some stats on him, and he has fallen off a cliff. Yes, he has. You know, so he got old real quickly for them. Remember they signed J.C. Jackson a couple years ago in free agency, the cornerback from New England, and he's completely fallen off the map. Joey Bosa, like, they can't play anyone. And if you get, you know, Darisaw, who, uh, the, the Vikings also signed offensive lineman Dalton Risner this week. Uh, that's, a, that's a big boost to the offensive line, I would say, in terms of the depth. Uh, you get a couple of those offensive linemen back. Uh, I I just I think the Vikings will be okay. I think they're going to force a couple of turnovers on the Chargers. I, I will say this: if Austin Eckler doesn't play, I I really like the Vikings' chances here. If he plays, I still will take the Vikings. But um, yeah, it, I don't, and I don't think Austin Eckler is going to play. So I'm taking the I'm taking the Chargers. The Vikings, I think, are going to be like a five-win game. I know you said that last I week, so. I just, you know, the schedule's pretty tough, and... But isn't that know, why it's so encouraging that they played Philly as, as tough it as is, they did? But, but it's a loss. You know, it it's is. Like, yep. You know, I feel like they're just going to lose, like, yeah, they're just going to lose all the close games. This year, and again, I don't think there's much of a difference between last year's team and this year's team. Sure, yep. Even though there's going to be, like, a 7-8 win difference. The, the, the way the Eagles ran on them was embarrassing... The, the, this offensive line is not good. They haven't addressed the offensive line. No. They had six picks in the draft? Yes. You picked Jordan Anderson, all right, he looks good. Your last two picks, you take a quarterback from BYU who is never going to play a snap in the league, and you take a running back who I'm not even sure is on the team anymore. I believe he's on the practice squad. Why would why would you use your last two picks on a quarterback and a running back? Well, you need a backup eventually, like the heir apparent, perhaps. They've got Nick Mullins, who's a backup. They've gotten. I don't want Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins That's sucks. Fine. He's old. He's the backup now. Jaron Hall is never going to play. I really like. I I think the way Kirk Cousins is playing this year, it seems like. He's destined to sign another deal with the Vikings. I think he's going to stay with the Vikings for a few more years. This team's – this is an interesting philosophy of we're not even going to try and run the football. Yeah. This Eagles game was pretty close for two and a half quarters. Yes. They ran it nine times for 28 yards. But don't you think part of that is you look at the strength of the Eagles, and where is the strength? The defensive line and the offensive line. 
Like the, that's where they are. The, the strength is in the trenches for the Eagles. And the Vikings were down two. They were down forty percent of their starters on the offensive line. So I, yes, you would like to see them try and run the ball, but they weren't having a lot of success anyway. So you just need to run enough to set up the play action. And they were having tons of success through the air. So I am. Feel like they did make an adjustment early. You have to get rid of the ball quickly, and they did. Yes. And not just these little bullshit throws to C.J. Ham. Yes. So, so uh, at the beginning of this game, it's like, all right, this is going to be, this is not going to be good. But then they got the ball out quickly. Cousins played well. Things were moving. It's like, all right, this is better. But just there, so okay. Um, they play the Chargers. They play the Panthers. Whoever they play. Their offensive line is not good. How are they going to close out a game? Let's say they're up by three or four points with three minutes to go. That's an excellent question. The other team's got two timeouts or at the 30-yard line. You mm-hmm. prefer to run the ball, get a couple of first downs, yep. and win the game. So I don't – if they try that, I don't see them being successful at that. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to do that at the end of the game. The Eagles – can do that. Yep. Certain teams can do that, it appears. And the Vikings not one of them. So, great stats for Cousins, great stats for Jefferson to start the year. But I don't know how many games we're winning. Yeah. I don't like what, again, address the offensive line. You know guys are going to get hurt. Yep. Um, it's tough to have seven or eight good linemen if they, if it was easy, teams would have that. So, mm-hmm. But at least address it in the draft, just to not draft anybody's disappointing. And it's it's an it's an odd way to go about things. Just saying, we're not going to run the ball. Uh, we're not going to address the offensive line. Well, specifically, and we just, we're going to throw it forty times a game and assume that'll be it. The specifically the interior of the offensive line, because the ty- the tackles are two of the best tackles in football. Yeah, so, but then he there was hurt. They were saw gets hurt. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Ed Ingram doesn't need to be playing football. Sorry, <laughs> not very good. Uh, we'll see if Garrett Bradbury can come back this week. That's that's something big. Uh, notable games from Sunday: the Chiefs won a defensive struggle against Jacksonville. Uh, their offense doesn't seem to be in sync yet. But Chris Jones came back, had one and a half sacks. He was big. I think if there's a fan base that needs to be worried, it's the Cincinnati Bengals because they they lose to the Ravens 27-24. The offense didn't look good. Joe Burrow has a sore calf again. He, he uh, strained it or did something. He re-aggravated the calf injury late in that game. Uh, Baltimore's offense looks fairly good, but the Bengals' offense is struggling right now. It's almost like the, it's a must-win for them Monday night against the Rams. But I would be far more concerned about the Bengals than I would, heck, maybe the the Vikings or the Chargers because of the calf injury to Burrow. Because as we know, a calf injury could lead to an Achilles here. It it just could. So that is something to monitor. But I would would be a little... uh, Worried if I'm a Bengals fan. Falcons came back and beat the Packers. The NFC North went 0 for last week. 0-4. Seattle went in Detroit, beat the Lions. That was big. The Bears lose at Tampa. Atlanta comes back from 12 down and beats uh, and beats Green Bay. And then we had 
Two massive comebacks from NFC East teams in the late afternoon window. The Giants have played six of the worst quarters of football to begin a season you will ever see. Like the worst. They were outscored 60 to nothing. And they were down 21 points to the Arizona Cardinals, the, the team that is actively trying to tank the season. And then the Giants score four touchdowns and a field goal in the second half, come back and beat the Cardinals 31-28, save their season. And Washington came back from 21-3 down to uh, against Denver to win that game, though that game ended in controversy after a Hail Mary by Denver. We'll go for two. St. Juice of Washington is clearly grabbing the Bronco wide receiver. No call there. They escape. That That's, a, that's huge uh, there. The Dolphins go into New England, win that game. Uh, and then Monday Night Football was a, a dud Saints-Panthers. And then uh, uh, Brown-Steelers is not good, but the, the main storyline in that one is the nasty injury to Nick Chubb. Did you see this injury? Oh, I did not. I saw they didn't uh, have a replay. Uh, if you want to see a leg bend, bend back in the shape of an L, go on tw- uh, go on X and check it out. Uh, social media has it. It's It's bad. It's very bad. Um, yeah. Not yeah, good. not good for them. Ugly game. Yep. Not good there. This Puka Nakua for the Rams, by the way, 25 catches in two games. He's a fifth-round pick from BYU. He is, I mean, historic performance through two games. You kind of wonder if this is... How we'll fare when Cooper Cup comes back in the offense, but wow, so far this Puka Nakua is fantastic. Scouts, scouts are so good, Zach, and he fell what to the fourth round, fifth round, fifth round, fifth round. Scouts roll over him. So another another one got past him. Yep. Then random guys tearing it up. Good for him. Good for him. Week three doesn't really have the Chargers Vikings game to me is the I think one of the most intriguing games, perhaps the most intriguing game of the week of the weekend. There's really not a whole lot there. There just isn't. This is not this not appear to be a great week. Patriots at Jets. Patriots have won 14 in a row against the Jets. We'll see if that continues. Um, I mean, yeah. I would be interested in uh, Falcons at Lions. Yes, that's a good one. I would be interested in Bills at Washington. Yes. Washington's uh, defensive line looks very good. And other than that, that should be about it. Yeah. This appears. This week three of the NFL slate is like week three of college football slate. Doesn't appear to be very good. We'll see if anything happens there, but uh, hopefully the also, um, You're hearing more about you know the Jets and Kirk Cousins. It should happen. It's not going to happen, but you know, this isn't Shohei Otani and the Angels. Mm-hmm. It's not quite at that level, but for the Vikings to to get something going here, I think they're going to be picking the top ten. Mm-hmm. Trade your quarterback for a second-round pick, whatever, second or third, whatever you can get from the Jets. Use that to move up in this draft to get whoever you do. you like Drake May? Do you like Jordan Travis? Who do you like? Do you want to go for it all and get Caleb Williams? Because there's going to be teams in the top five that don't need quarterbacks like the Colts. Hell, what about Shadir Sanders? He's, uh, what, I think he's got at least a year to go. 
I think, maybe. If not, I'm sure he'll stay another year. And we'll see what he does. And he's, he's a guy you could probably get in the second or third round, maybe. But you need to plan for the future. But Kirk Cousins is going to go 36? Yeah, 35, mm-hmm. I think. You have to take a shot. They never take a shot. It's interesting, though, that people say, oh, the Vikings have to trade Kirk Cousins to the Jets, and that makes the Jets a Super Bowl yes. contending team. But then we're, then people are saying, well, Kirk Cousins isn't very good on the Vikings. You can't you can't have it both ways. Like, if Kirk the Cousins Jets defense is a top-five defense. If the Vikings had a top-five defense, then okay. All Kirk right. Cousins would be doing something. And they got, I mean... Zach Wilson is one of the worst quarterbacks I have ever seen. He had a tough day uh, Sunday in Big D against Dallas, but Micah Parsons was all over the field. Micah Parsons. I know, the Cowboys are you know my pick to win that conference, and their defense also uh, probably a top five defense. Wait, didn't you say last week Detroit was going to the Super Bowl? I'll take Detroit. I think they'll be there at the end, but you know I had what Ravens. Cowboys. Oh, yes, yes, okay, yeah. And, you know, in Detroit, we're right in Detroit, and, um, you know, the Eagles don't look nearly as good, so that's good. Yeah. But, man, the Zach Wilson, just unfair to put him in that spot because he, to be as bad as he is, this is third year, mm-hmm. and to not be any better, just one of the... Boy, a, a huge miscalculation. And yep. what they would, uh, he threw interceptions and they would hold him to field goals and they would throw interceptions and he would get a field goal. This should have been a 50 to 10 game, but because of the defense, it was a 30 to 10 game. Well, Sauce Gardner dropped a pick six in the first half. Could have made it 14 10 going in a half. That could have completely changed the complexion of the game. And it just makes too much sense. The Vikings. Are nowhere close to doing anything. And they're never going to be bad enough to get one of these quarterbacks that are going to change your fortunes. You need a quarterback in the future. Kirk Cousins is very good, and he's not it. What, what this you have to trade him. It's, so it's uh, do, do you hope they start 0 6, 1 5? One and six? What, what's going to prompt them to say, you know what? If we that's like the to, case, then yes. And I'm, I'm open to, to considering that. But I... Well, if you're the Jets, you're like, our window's pretty short. Things go pretty quickly in the NFL. You go from I can't here to even, there in, a, in an instance. I can't we got to take advantage of this now. And Kirk Cousins would be a massive upgrade over Zach Wilson. I can't imagine... Aaron Rodgers is going to make it back from a torn Achilles in four months. I just can't. No, he's not. I mean, he says he's going to. Like, there's a chance, but I feel like that's you know just you're throwing shit out to the wind and hoping it sticks and hoping people believe. Like, it ain't gonna matter because they're not making the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true too. That's true. We'll see. Well, you know what? You know, it's a good first step beating New England uh, at home. That first, that would be a first in many a year. So. Do that first, Jets. Beat the beat the Patriots for once, uh, and and we'll see what like, happens. What is the Vikings' plan here going forward with quarterback? I don't know. Are they going to spend forty five million on Cousins for another year? 
They could. I don't know. Is that the best idea? If, I mean, if we've done this, and way, it's not working. If he keeps playing the way he is right now, absolutely. And they win five games. But it wouldn't be because of him. You need to upgrade the offensive line. Defense has to get a lot better. Things yes. have to get better across the board here. It's not... Okay, so if you want to improve, you want to improve the offense and de- offensive line and defense, but you're going to get worse play at quarterback. So are you going? Yeah. Aren't you going to kind of have a New York Jets style team then with the awful Zach Wilson? No, I just want somebody. You take a step back at quarterback to get better. Find me a Brock Purdy. It's it's not likely, but you know. Build a team around you so that anybody can come in and kind of be okay. Like, you've got Justin Jefferson, you've got Jordan Addison, you've got TJ Hawkinson, you've got guys to where it shouldn't take much to be good. And then address what needs to be addressed. Get better at the offensive line. Pretend you want to run the ball again. It... The way they built this team, I don't like it at all. To just negate the running game altogether, to put it all on Kirk Cousins' shoulder, is not a winning strategy, I don't think. No, and I I agree. They need to get the offensive line and the run game going especially. Um, Well, we'll see. Well, I haven't... I want to see what they show against the Chargers. This is a, a big week. Um, I'm not saying I'm a completely opposed to trading Kirk Cousins, but they need to have a plan in place then. Like uh, trade him to get up in the draft in that top five to get one of these guys. That's fine. Because this, yeah. this appears to be a good quarterback draft. It does. Very good. Make a move. Do what the Panthers did. Do what teams have done. We need a quarterback. We need a younger guy. We need to get somebody in here. This, this trading thing doesn't happen. There's there, This is a perfect opportunity. A team in need with a team with a with somebody you need. Do it. Trade him. Quit, quit just being a team in the middle of the pack. Take a shot. If, it's, if you fall on your face, so what? They never pick at the top of the draft because they're never bad enough. But then wouldn't you complain that they traded and they didn't get anything for it correctly and now they're just a really bad team? Wouldn't you be upset with that? No, because I want to win a Super Bowl. I don't give a shit if they win 13 games and lose to the Giants. The goal here is to win the entire thing. Right. And if you win 13 games, if you win four games, it doesn't matter to me. The goal is to win the whole thing, and they are moving further and further away from that. We'll see. So we'll see. Get get a quarterback. There are good quarterbacks available this draft. Yep. You need to move up to get one. You don't have the draft capital to do that. You've got a 35-year-old quarterback who's playing well. With him, you won one playoff game in five years. Not enough. We've done this enough. Things are not going to get better. They're not making the playoffs this year. Things are not getting better next year. You have a chance to do something you should do it now. You also need to keep in mind you have a a generational type talent at wide receiver. Yes. And you're going to waste him if you don't 
have a good plan in place at quarterback. Like you're wasting to get a quarterback to draft one of these guys. Well, you, you better draft, make sure draft you can Drake do that. May. Draft Jordan Travis. Draft, you know, if you can get Caleb Williams, you, the idea is to get a young quarterback who will be good. That is what trading Kirk Cousins is. That's what you want the end result to be. To get a quarterback, a young quarterback who is good. We'll see. There's also on a cheaper contract. You maybe go and address. I mean, this defensive line is terrible. Um, offensive line. I mean, it's not a good team. It's not a good team. There's a lot they need to fix. And if you get a cheaper quarterback in there, you got more money to spend on these other things because it's not working. I think you're being a little harder on it. It's not a bad team. It's a fair. It's a pretty good team. There bad teams go home four times. Well, yeah, but that's you know, bad teams do that. Bad teams on nine rushes for twenty-eight yards. I know it's the Eagles. What? Well, bad teams also score sixty points and don't turn the ball over and still start out zero two. So, the Chargers are bad. Yeah, like the Vikings weren't any good last year. They were not. They were in. Were they an average team? I uh, I think they were below average last year. I would agree with that. That's why I think this team is better than last year. This team is better. Their offense. Thirteen games was probably the worst thing that could have happened. Their offensive. Their offense is better. The defense is better. Just hang on to the ball. That's it. And they'll and then they'll win games. The reason why they're zero and two is because of the turnovers. And specifically, they've lost 12 points at the goal line this year. Minimum 12 points. So, and that's the difference between two wins and two losses. Work on ball security, and it'll be okay. It really will. Let's uh, let's head to the diamond here. We are uh, less than two weeks remaining in the regular season. Twins magic number is down to two, though it might be down to one now after. Down to one. Down, down, to, one. down to one because they, they won against Cincinnati this afternoon. Uh, then, uh, then Cleveland lost to Kansas City, so the magic number is one. Hopefully, the Twins can just uh, win against the Mets. Hopefully, the Guardians beat the Orioles. It's the Angels. It's the Angels. The Angels. I thought it was the Mets. Damn it! That was last week. Oh, oh yeah, duh. Uh, hopefully, they beat the Angels this week. Yeah, it's Angels and then the Ace. Yep. Uh, beat the Angels on Friday, and then uh, you can you know celebrate that because the Angels have given up. I mean, they'll celebrate regardless, but it would just be nice to do it on their own, uh, celebrate the pennant and everything there. Uh, but that's very intriguing. We're really down to essentially th- three races in baseball that are worth watching. One is the AL wild card, where you have four te- uh, three teams vying for two spots. The Jays are ha- uh, half game up now on Texas. Seattle is a half game back of Texas. Uh, then you have the uh, NL wild card, which plays are three and a half up on. The Diamondbacks are a game up on the second spot. The Cubs then are in third. The Marlins, half game back. They got screwed out of a win against the uh, the Mets on Monday night because they couldn't call a, fair, uh, a home run fair. They called it foul. That was bad. Reds are one and a half games back. The Giants have fallen off. 
The Padres have won six in a row. They're trying to make things interesting, but really it comes down to the Marlins, Cubs, and Diamondbacks, and the Reds, too. We'll throw them in there. And then uh, the AL West itself. It mentioned the the Mariners and the, the Rangers and stuff vying for that wild card. Well, they're sitting just a half game back each of Houston for the division lead. So those are your three big races to watch for in baseball. It should be a magnificent couple of weeks here. The Padres have won a season-high six in a row, seven of eight. They're the last team to win four in a row. <clears throat> I feel like they have to win out. You know, if they beat the Rockies, they're up three to two here in the uh, ninth. Are they three to two in the uh, eighth inning? So Padres should win their seventh in a row. They've got St. Louis this weekend. I feel like if you can get within three games by Monday. You're three back with six to go. They've got San Francisco and the White, the White Sox. Sox. I mean, that's so, a pretty easy schedule, you know, to finish out. Very favorable. You need, uh, you know, one of these teams just to completely collapse. The Cubs were on a losing streak. They needed you know, the Braves to do their job and beat the Phillies. Yeah. Win the series, they lost two out of three to the Phillies. The Braves did. Braves lose, that's a, probably a playoff matchup. Um, Cubs have the Braves next week. We'll see how interested the Braves are in being competitive. Well, they are only a couple games up on the Dodgers right now for rec- best record in the NL. So that's it's an interesting race. The, uh, Cubs have the Rockies this weekend, so they should probably uh, do well there. Then they finish, finish at Milwaukee. So I'm interested to see if the Padres, how long the Padres stay afloat after being uh, the most disappointing team in baseball. Um, Phillies, can the Phillies knock off the Braves if they show up again? Uh, if I'm a Twins fan, which I am, I want to see the Houston Astros in that wild card round because I want to play Houston two out of three at home instead of three out of five at their place. Mm-hmm. So if um, you want some, you want to root for something, you root for Houston to be that wild card. You know, they were half game up on Texas. Wouldn't, they, they, wouldn't Texas also be good though? Like at least to win. Like, don't you feel yeah. better about beating Texas in a wild in the wild card round than you would Houston? Yeah, you like uh, you've had success against Texas. Texas has been bad here for a while. Texas bullpen, especially bad. So, I get what you're saying. Like you'd rather be you'd rather play the Astros in a, a shorter series, a smaller yeah. series than. A, a bigger a five a five game series, but I think you almost have a better chance to beat Texas than you would Houston. Yes, I'm looking at you. How do we get to the World Series here? Uh, what's sure. the path? Yep. Okay. You know, you you play Texas in that first round. You like your chances to get them. Then you play Houston. You have success against Houston, but you don't like your chances there. So I want to take the gamble. <laughs> I want to play. Houston right away, knock them off. Then in that second round, you get Texas. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, you got to beat Texas to get to the championship series. And then you're maybe you know playing Baltimore, Tampa. So either way, you're playing a team out west, likely. Maybe it'll be Toronto. Who knows? Too close to call at the moment, but um, we're rooting for the Astros and maybe hoping for Texas. Yeah, it should be. Should be fascinating here. Anything else uh, in baseball catch your eye from the last week? Sure. Shohei Otani had elbow surgery. 
He had a procedure, they say. Not Tommy John surgery, which we all know it is, because he's going to hit in 2024. Yeah, it's, um, so he'll be able to hit. So we'll see what the contract brings. But, yeah, it was, I'm sure it was, if it wasn't Tommy John, it was something, it was its next cousin over. Not good. Adam, Adam Wainwright went, um, won his 200th game, finally. Congrats to him. He is 42 years old. He's going to call it quits here next week. Good. And uh, heck of a singer, um, but he's had a rough year, a seven and a half ERA, but uh, didn't think he was going to get that way he was going. And he, he but, pitched a shutout against the Brewers to get that 200th win. Seven innings, and I assume he's pitching again, but I may have called it quits after that game. So you know what? That's, uh, that's about as good as I can do. Go out on a high note. How concerned should Twins fans be about Carlos Correa's foot and Royce uh, Lewis's hamstring? I'm concerned about Royce Lewis's hamstring. Okay, that though that was yeah, that was my next. Because that's like Buxton's out. Don't care about Buxton. Correa's out. Don't give a shit about him. Uh, yeah, Royce Lewis needs to be there. So uh, Correa's foot—they put him on the DL. He should be out the rest of the year. Yes, he'll be back for the playoffs, but. They need Royce Lewis because he is by far their best player hitter. He is mm-hmm. he is their best guy now. So they need to uh, gingerly take care of his hamstring. Hopefully, he can come back next weekend, get in a couple games. But uh, Bucks did not count on him playing, even if he does, doesn't matter. And Curry hit two thirty this year, so if he's not available, I don't. Just looking at it here. Twins are only four games back of the Astros right now. Well, it's awfully interesting to see, you know, unlikely to happen. Good to get that two seed. That'd be great. But think of the teams that they they finish with. The Astros have, they get the Royals, that's fine, but they finish with Seattle and Arizona. That's, That's not a cakewalk because those teams are vying for the, you know, to make the playoffs. You have the Rangers, who, who the Rangers have the Mariners this weekend at Anaheim. That's not, and then the Mariners again. So, I mean, it's not a guarantee there either. I just think there's an opportunity there if the, the Twins can rattle off wins against the A, the Angels, the the A's, and the Rockies. It's un, it's very, it seems very slim and unlikely to happen. But this is why you try and go for it here. Because of the schedules of the teams in the American League West. It is intriguing, and I noticed that. And you couldn't have asked for two easier opponents, I guess, to finish up the season. Right. But I would imagine uh, we're going to see the, the, the B and C squads this weekend. Uh, once they went Friday, I think we're going to get some guys some rest Saturday and Sunday. But... Um, Something to think about, like if you're if you're two games back going into next next Monday, like that's that's doable. Mm-hmm. So who you play and who they play, it's intriguing to to get that week off. But this this team seems like they're going to coast the rest of the way. But wouldn't also the extra week of rest be good for yep. Correa and Royce? I mean, yep. it would be fantastic. So you could get, get that done. Maybe that's all the more reason to try and go for yes. it. 
And like we've talked about many times, those games you lost mm-hmm. months ago with certain decisions that were made that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Why you want to win those games? Because mm-hmm. there's easily four games out there you could have won or had a better chance to win if you don't. I mean, Emilio Pagan's pitched great this year, so I'll give him credit. Caleb Kibar's great. Uh, Griffin Jacks has lost 10 games. There's. Kenta Maeda went five innings last night, gave up one hit, threw 83 pitches. Are they going to let these guys in the playoffs go 110 pitches? Do you think Kenta Maeda could come out of the bullpen? Like, is that a serious thought? Yeah, he did that with the Dodgers back in the day, and they've not done that here. I would do that. I don't think he's starting pitching worthy in the playoffs. I think you throw him in the bullpen. I think he's been great. Uh, Pablo Lopez gets game one. Sonny Gray gets game two. Joe Ryan probably gets game three. Uh, Kenta Maeda. <clears throat> you would maybe get game one of the AL Divisional Series if it gets that far. But yeah, use him in the bullpen. Because I don't like anybody coming out of the bullpen right now. Not even Caleb Thielbar? No. Hmm. Um, use... Use Kenta Maeda. You have Sonny Gray go six innings. How about we have Kenta Maeda go to the final three? They go. won't do that, but they'll do their usual bullshit. And they'll bring in somebody in the seventh, somebody in the eighth. And is not not very optimistic about uh, <coughs> about the playoffs, nor should you be. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, they, I mean, they've got the talent and the pitching to 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 do something serious, but. We know how that goes. Yeah, so. it, they absolutely they have the talent. It's it's more the decision making. You oh, and I would make these decisions. Rocco Baldelli will not. He welcomed uh, his wife welcomed twins to the world. By the way, An apt uh, thing for him being the manager of the twins. So congrats to the Baldelli family. Well, Sonny Gray is second in the American League in ERA. It's pretty good. Pretty good. That's that's good to have. And uh, Pablo Lopez has been very good this year. So. Yes, yes, he has. Good trade. Good trade. Worked out for both teams. Hopefully the Marlins make the playoffs, too. Uh, anything else we need to get to regarding baseball or anything else in general before we say so long? Hell, Cy Young Award's interesting. Uh, Blake Snell's probably going to win. He threw seven shutout innings last night. So He wants a lot of guys, but he doesn't give up any hits. He got the lowest ERA in the major, strikes out a ton of guys. So, And Blake Snell kind of wrapped up the, the Cy Young last week. Hey, a good uh, good end of the season. You've got, you know, if it's Dodgers-Braves in the championship series, that's good. If it's, I want to see Baltimore and Houston. They've played some great regular season games. They're, they're playing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baltimore's gotten them a couple times. You know, Baltimore just continues to win. So if, it, if, if those are your final four, I mean, those are the four best teams in baseball. I'm going to close with this here. Unless you have anything else. But uh, I saw uh, SportsCenter top plays on Saturday. I believe it was Randy Scott. who uh, th- There was a play by a Colorado Rocky. A great, uh, great play. Great play with the glove in the infield. He said, uh, better hands than a Denver theater patron. Oh, that's good. That's a good little swipe. That good is swipe. just incredible. Did I get fired for this? I hope he doesn't, but that was an incredible line that he delivered. <laughs> incredible line. It absolutely it, it endears me to Randy Scott. Family values, stacking. 
Family values. Yeah, I heard Gnome's in a little bit of hot water now with a, an affair with Things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, family, the, the party of family values. There you go. That's what they are. Very good. Anything else before we uh, say so long? You ever play the Immaculate Grid every day? I don't. I haven't played it. I Oh, stack it. I know. I should. I should. Stack it, stack it. Uh, there's something else called the Daily Dozen. Oh. That's from Barstool Sports. Uh, despite its name, there's only nine questions. So. Well, <laughs> um, I'll leave it to David Portnoy to not uh, be able to count. Yeah. And then the uh, the true value version of Immaculate Grid is called Crossover. Oh, I, I prefer Ace Hardware, not True Value. Okay, uh, the, the Ace Hardware version of <laughs> this, uh, this uh, the Goodwill version, I should oh, say. Oh, yes, the, the Menards. It's, uh, it's called CrossoverGrid.com. Okay. okay. Uh, they have a lot of different categories, movies, sports. Uh, yesterday, they came out with a wrestling crossover grid. Oh, boy. We may have to play that next week. Okay. All right. We, so we get will. ready. Get ready to, uh, I don't know, get ready to rumble, I guess. All right. Very good. Let's get ready to try and knuckle for nine. There we go. Here we go. All right. I look forward to that. Uh, you know what? It, it won't be pretty, but we'll see yeah. how it goes. Uh, well, you have a great rest of your week. Hopefully it all cools down and whatnot. And uh, we'll talk. Uh, good luck. Where, where are we from? I got something here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mitchell plays Sioux Falls Jefferson. We go to Howard Wood in Sioux Falls. Friday, it's a 5 o'clock game. Oh, boy. I, I know it's not going to be good. Um, I emailed the Jefferson athletic director today saying, hey, is there a spot there for two of us at Howard Wood Field? Big, spacious Howard Wood. Big press box. All this crap. Yep. Just as a courtesy, because I know they got room, because it's quite large. Yep. And he says, unfortunately, Howard Wood Field has all of our rooms in the press box spoken for, and we do not have room. Thank you. Huh. I'm like, oh yeah, really. I'm covering it. The other Mitchell station's covering it. There might be a Sioux Falls, <coughs> maybe a Sioux Falls streaming radio service covering it, Maybe. Okay. I think so I say, hey, is there anybody else I should get a hold of? Because this seems fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. He says, I'll ask all the media people that have reserved the boxes if they're planning on coming. Well, I get a reply this afternoon at 4.15. Travis, one of our media members, has decided not to be at the Mitchell-Jefferson football game on Friday. The attached PDF has, has your location in the press box. Thank you. I, I, yeah, I'm sure Stunned. he was lying Stunned. through his teeth. Yes, I, you should take a picture of the press box and just let me know, like, how, how full it is. I was there in 2016. Mitchell won it all. They beat uh, Lincoln that year. They had a really good team. Mm-hmm. And I looked at this. This is a, a two level press box. Uh, in the middle, uh, team video and print media. Uh, the Mitchell newspaper will not be there. Um, the Argus Leader barely exists anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that's going to be pretty open. I would that agree. is 50-yard line in the middle. That, that, there might be a space there for somebody. You caught the Jefferson AD in the Y. Yes. To the left of that is us. Um, there's a game after that 
involving Lincoln and O'Gorman. That game is on until 8 o'clock. To the left of us is Mark for Lincoln. To the left of them is Mark for Jefferson, I assume, coaches. I would think we could use the Lincoln or O'Gorman box, their coaches box, because their game's not till 8. Our game is going to be at 5. One would think. One would think. Metro Sports out of Sioux Falls are going to be just to the right of the 50-yard line. Then in the second level, or the, the first level, wherever the hell they're at, um, the superintendent's got a box for herself. Hmm. I don't know if she's going to be uh, watching Jefferson and Mitchell. Not quite sure. Hmm. They also have a live stream. They live stream it through their school districts. Other stuff. Uh, yeah, I see minimum three spots available, not including the spot that we actually got. Sounds like a bunch of bullshit. Sounds like a bunch of bullshit. So, <laughs> thank God. I don't know who uh, who's not coming. But, uh, um, honestly, I don't see the other Mitchell station here, so I don't give a goddamn where they're going. But uh, I see where we're going to be at, uh, box 502. I think that's on the second level. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to say there's going to be a couple boxes open, uh, particularly to our left, which is marked for Sioux Falls Lincoln, which doesn't play until three hours um, till we take the air. So, um, we, we could have been in there. So, mismanagement, but we got to figure it out. Very so. good. Well, uh, good luck with the slaughter on Friday. Uh, safe travels and uh, enjoy the weekend of football, uh, maybe yes. college. And we'll talk to you next week, my friend. Hopefully it's rainy and we'll watch a lot of football. Yes, yes, fingers crossed. All right, All right we'll see you later. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Travis. Travis Crins joining me here, Sports Block uh, Podcast, as he always does. Great stuff there. A lot of college football talk, Vi- uh, Vikings talk. He's still down on the Vikings. I get it. Uh, I'm, I'm not, but we'll, we'll see. The Twins, they have a chance here. and They'll, they'll, they'll win the Central. Can they... Can they get close to that two seed? Very interesting. You can find this podcast available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Just search the sports block. Follow me on tw- on Twitter or X at Andy Stack and Travis is on X at Travis Crins. Facebook Nathan Stack and a link to the podcast. Posted middle to later part of each week. We are going to dive deeper though into this college football weekend with none other than Charlie Hildebrand. He'll join us next here as we roll on with this edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com and on iTunes. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast. We have a massive weekend in college football ahead of us. At least we hope that is the case. And who better to talk about that with than my good friend from the uh, the Northwest I uh, the what the Daily North. I'm you sorry. had it right, and then you panicked, and you got you got worried. It's I, the I was like Nick. I was no, the Northwest Iowa Review. Thank you. I was like Nick Saban. Uh, I've been panicking. there. You start you start to say it, and you know it. Then you're like, wait, am I a hundred percent sure? And yep. then you start confusing yourself. Yep. Nope. Nope. I can't. I can't go with Jalen Monroe. We have to. We have to go somewhere else. Oh no. Ty Simpson. Anyone. Anyone. Um. Charlie Hillman, my good friend and uh, the uh, resident college football expert, joins me here. We have a massive weekend to get to this weekend. Hopefully it doesn't disappoint. Last week, let's just kind of go over a few things that uh, I think caught the attention of of many of, uh, or some of us. Uh, Florida State narrowly escaped Boston College. That was a bit of a surprise. A- Real quick, I think I mentioned this last week, yeah. but it's so often whenever you're like, this week's bad. None of these games are going to be any good. And there were a lot more weird games than we thought there would be. Absolutely. 
there was a 61-yard field goal in Missouri, in Columbia, that uh, that lifted Missouri to a win over 15th-ranked Kansas State. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, there was a field goal made in the Iowa State-Ohio game. That didn't count because the refs are stupid. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Georgia uh, ended up winning, but did not look great for a half. And it was like, oh wow, maybe uh, Georgia isn't the best team in the country. Right. And then in the second quarter, a second half, it was like, yeah, maybe they are, but Alabama, they certainly looked more. Alabama didn't look good for an entire game, and they have the huge yeah. quarterback quandary on their hands. And then, of course, we have the big, uh, the big shindig that went down in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, wait, we also had Tennessee losing to Florida. So maybe Florida's a little better than than what we otherwise thought. Oklahoma State gets blown out at home by South Alabama. USA, USA. Where would you like to go uh, first uh, to begin week three? I mean, I think we have to start with Colorado, Colorado State, just because this is the first time I ever truly feel like an old man with college football. And not in a small way but in a big way, and I'll explain. Yeah, please do. So there have been many times where a game's not good, the last game, or there's just a game I don't care about. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to bed. This one, I was intrigued, and it was like one, like what, 1.30, 1.45 in the morning, mm-hmm. and it was in overtime, and I was like, I think I need to go get bed. Like, I am tired. I don't know if I can do this. Now, I also forgot that with modern technology – that I could just put the game on on my phone while I laid in bed. Yep. So I did technically see the end of the game and was still awake. Not wide awake, but was awake. And then was probably asleep within four minutes after after the stop, and I instantly turned my phone off. But it's the first time I remember that there was a close game, you know, like a big and close game late at night with an upset on the line. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my God, I don't know if I can be so late right now. Did you see the numbers for this game? How many people watched it? Yeah, I saw that earlier today. And I mean, I'm not. If you told me it had big numbers because it was close, I wouldn't have been surprised. I am incredibly stunned, though, to the degree they were. That, like, I, and even more than the total numbers, is that there was something that, like, one in the morning Eastern time. Yes. There were still like 8 million people watching it, which is just bonkers. 9.3 million people watched Colorado, Colorado State, a game that kicked off at 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, 11 p.m. Wait, is it? No, it was 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. I think it was 9 Central Time, yeah, Yeah, but still. But it's it's late, as you said, it's past 1, it's close to 2 out in the East. And this is, it's not like, okay... Big deal, whoop-de-ding-ding-do. It's a Colorado State, a team that's not very good in the Mountain West against Colorado. This, this I saw, I think it was um, Ivan Mandel or something for, from Sports Illustrated. He said that... Either Stuart Mandel, Stuart Mandel or Ivan Mizell. Yeah, it's it was Stuart Mandel. Thank you. Okay. Um, that's a fine for me. I'll put it in the, in the fine bucket. Uh, but... Um, he said that on average, Pac-12 after dark games get like one to two million people or one to two million viewers. For this game to average nine point three million people is staggering, and it I think we. Well, continue. on top of that, was I saw he was or maybe I'm getting this wrong, so take this with a grain of salt. But I mean, he was like the most viewed ESPN 
like regular season game ever they were saying or something like that it might be i know it was or like, not ever that it wasn't like years i know it was, no, I, I don't think it's ever like regular season because i think there was one year where espn had the you know the college football playoff and that's just gonna get more regardless but for like a regular season and even if it, maybe i'm misremembering it wasn't ever but it was at least like the most like multiple years so what they which just shows how crazy the not how crazy the Deion sanders i mean the, the Deion sanders experiment was strange and we didn't know it it's paid off at least at this point Handsome. so handsomely for colorado yes. it is the fifth most watched regular season game ever on espn for any time slot like that is just astounding the yeah. the specific yeah, broadcast really window ever. I mean, like this is like more than when Ohio State, Michigan, or Alabama and Auburn, which I realize not all of those are necessarily on ESPN each year. But you think about all the big games they've had for the last, you know, twenty thirty years. It's crazy to think that they're going to say there's only four that have more than that. Yeah, and what's and I don't know, like, if it's – do they – they probably just – what did I say? Regular season? Yes, regular season game ever. So it's that this doesn't factor in any of the bowl games, doesn't factor the college football playoff in, anything like that. Um, which makes me – just it makes it all the more puzzling that college game day is electing to go to South Bend, Indiana next week for Ohio State Notre Dame when – ABC is broadcasting Colorado at Oregon next week from Eugene. Like you, I would have thought it would have been a slam dunk that you go to Eugene next this this upcoming week for the you know the Buffaloes and the and the Ducks. I don't understand that decision by ESPN, especially if they have the rights to that said game. I think I do kind of get it because people will still watch it. Colorado's been basically the game of the week going into the week all three weeks now. And do you really want to be like, hey, we're just going to every week be like we're only going to focus on Colorado? Well, Fox did it for the first two weeks. I do understand that they're like, and I mean, between ESPN and Fox, because they've had all those, you know, Disney, I should say Disney and Fox. But they've had all four of their games so far, or three of their games, I mean. Yeah. So... so I do understand the thought of like, well, yeah, we're still going to cover it. We want to go somewhere else now, so it's not just only Dion all of the time. But do you think like, like they even sent Herb Street to uh, to the swamp to call Tennessee, Florida, with Chris Fowler? Could they not put them on that uh, that telecast for the game because Fowler's a Colorado alum? Like, is that a conflict of interest? I mean, Herb Street's called Ohio State games. I, I don't I guess I don't get why they wouldn't keep Herb Street. I mean, there. it could have been also that they just thought that Tennessee, Florida would be a better game, it, and absolutely. it turned out it wasn't. I mean, I think it's easy to you know with hindsight. Like, yes. you know, things happen and sometimes we forget. We all thought that Colorado was just going to murder Colorado State. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I can understand why they were like, hey, let's send our big guys to the game that's going to be better. And ironically, it turned out that that game was not better, which makes it even crazier, how, you know, how interesting 
Colorado and Colorado State was still. Well, and I think a lot of the... Do you think that there were more eye, eyeballs tuned into this game due to Jay Norvell, the Colorado State head football coach, you know, uh, talking about how his mom raised him better than Dion regarding the sunglasses and the hat. And the sunglass sale, sunglasses sales for Dion just skyrocketed last week. I mean... It, the, the company I think that really... had little to nothing to do with the people watching the game. Okay. I think they watched it because they know who Deion Sanders is and Colorado's 2-0. and And then I think as the game went on and it was like, oh my God, this is a really close game. That that, and Also, that if I remember, I mean, I'm trying to remember, I know that Tennessee and Florida was a night game, if I remember right, but I think what didn't start as late. It was the lead-in game to Colorado and okay. Colorado State. That that was the 7 p.m. Eastern, or the 6 p.m. Uh, Central Time start. But the other thing is that while well, there were better games than we thought there might be going into the weekend, mm-hmm. I, don't remember, I don't think there was any other really good game at night. So right. it was kind of like, well, this is the only option. It's also quite yep. entertaining, too. And I, I think it's more so that I'm not going to say that nobody watched it because of the beef Colorado had going into the game, but I think it's much more just, oh, this is the biggest story that Colorado's back. Right. And they've got, you know, the most charismatic, talkative coach in the country right now leading with, you know, his son playing quarterback. And now all of a sudden they're in the dogfight in the home state or an in-state rivalry game. Yeah, give Colorado State a ton of credit here, and they arguably should have won that game. Norvell probably... Oh, they definitely should have won yeah, that game. Norvell cost them there late in the game when they were up, what, 11? Like, you just... You can't do... You can't make those decisions the way he did and expect too to win. Too many turnovers, too yep. many penalties, not going for it when you got fourth and short up their side of the field way to win the game. Yep. They did all sorts of... They did so many things right as the underdog for so long, even though they also were making a lot of mistakes, too. Well, and they just, and got, they just did everything wrong at the end. They got walloped by Washington State in the first week and then had a bye week early, you know, very early bye week. So they've had a lot of time to prepare for Colorado, but I don't think anyone saw that this sort of outcome where Colorado was going to be trailing by 11 and then Shadir Sanders has to lead the the Buffs 98 yards for the game uh, tying touchdown along with the two point subsequent two-point conversion. There were a lot of nasty All hits. without in- their best receiver, too, who right. got knocked out of the game with an injury. Yep, there were nasty hits, one of those which resulted in an injury to Travis Hunter. Uh, I mean, this game was very chippy. There is a lot. This was about, like, everything you could... I think Colorado's going to play in a lot of chippy games this year. Probably... Probably, but this had everything with it. You have an in-state rivalry. The only thing that could have made this game better was if it were three hours earlier so you'd have more people being able to stay up and watch. True. I do wonder how big it could have been if it was like a 2.30 game. Yeah. Well, I think that's why, you know, this next week here, and we'll get to this week's slate, upcoming week's slate here in a moment, but that's why... Like that two thirty slot. Oh my gosh! Like you think? Sure, I'm sure CBS will get people you know in the South to watch Ole Miss and Alabama, but everyone else is going to be solely focused on Eugene, Oregon, and ABC with the with Colorado and Oregon. They just are. Um, as mentioned, at least early, I do yeah. think there's a possibility that Oregon just absolutely steals. Well, I hope so. Partially because. I mean, it's 
I think this is part of the reason that Colorado, I mean, not the only reason, but part of the reason they maybe struggled with Colorado State. For guys who are not used to playing in big games regularly and having this much attention at Colorado, you know, they're obviously not at Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State where every game's your Super Bowl. And basically, the first three games of the season have all been national games to some degree, mm-hmm. either through Fox or ESPN, with all sorts of you know interviews and spotlights and everything. And I think that's hard to do three consecutive games while you're getting the other teams, you know, best shot in some way. Yep. And now they're playing the toughest team they're playing all season. I mean, I don't think it's going to be like fifty-six to three by any means. No, I know Oregon's a three touchdown favorite though, uh, and I could definitely see Oregon covering that twenty-one. I could also. Now, Colorado's see- also done enough that if they get hot on offense, it's going to be tough to stop them. But like just that roller coaster ride of like, oh no, every game we've got to be so high up for it. Like I think that's incredibly difficult. Well, I mean, for any team to do, especially a team that's not used to doing it like all these guys are. And maybe that's why Colorado State was able to hang into it. Because you had heard like all the talk leading up into this week or into that game about how, oh, Colorado's just going to stop them. They, 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 the players are amped up and motivated based on the comments from Norvell and everything like that. They want to back their coach up. And I mean, they, they didn't. They played arguably their worst game against their worst opponent um, of the season. Uh, to this point, and they barely escaped. I mean, they they needed a lot to go their way in order to come back and win that game. Um, uh, let let's move on uh, to to Alabama because this is a, like we are watching the a couple of. Let dynasty- me tell you, second, my Alabama wins the national title pick. I don't feel very good about that anymore. Uh, yeah, I, that might not be. That not, might not be so good because we have se- we are seeing two college football dynasties fall and crumble be- like right before our very eyes. It's Clemson, and that one's falling far faster than I think any of us thought, but it's at a faster rate than what Alabama is. But still, what Alabama displayed Saturday with barely what a hundred yards throwing against a terrible South Florida team, albeit I get it, you know, bad weather down there it was delayed a while, yada yada yada. But terrible quarterback play. They just don't seem to have it clicking at all. This seems like an uh, Alabama team where Nick Saban is just struggling for answers. And there's maybe no real hope for them on the horizon, at least this year. We'll see what, like, if, if things will be better next year or maybe Saban just exits out. But this, specifically with the quarterbacks, that that's tough. This is a very uh, unique situation that Alabama's in because we've just never seen them be in this position, at least not for a very long time. Yeah, their receivers aren't that good. Their offensive line's struggling. I mean, I think their running backs are fine, but you know, fine that Alabama is like terrible. I mean, they're not as good as they have been. And I do think. I mean, I don't know if their offense is going to get much better this year. I think that they're probably still just one quarterback away from being pretty good again on offense. Right. I mean, it may have to be an incredibly good quarterback who carries more than you would think he should have to in a place that loaded. But, but I don't think that, like, the sky is falling permanently yet. But certainly, I don't I mean, I think they can have a much, much worse year this year it, I'm just than saying, anybody thought. I think it's coming close. Like, the, like the, the 
the gulf of a gap between Alabama and the rest of college football for, for years and years, it's gone now. At least that's how it would appear. I'm not disputing any of that. I'm just yeah. saying that unlike some of these other places, like Nick Saban's done it long enough, that I do, and, and they bring in so much talent. I mean, we can talk yes. about like Clemson talent, and there was a brief window where it was like, oh, is Clemson recruiting as well as Alabama? I don't think they are anymore, though. And like I said, I mean, I think they are still just one class, you know, mm-hmm. hitting a little bit, and they can be back. But I mean, but it's bad this year on offense. If you go into the transfer portal and get. Um, you know, you, 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 you got Tommy Reese, offensive coordinator from Alabama. Bill O'Brien left to go to the Patriots in the NFL. You go to the, the transfer portal, get Tyler Buckner, uh, the Notre Dame quarterback who had been sitting for a couple of years, and then Sam Hartman comes, so he wasn't going to get a chance anyway. Um, and he was terrible. 5 of 14 for 34 yards. Ty Simpson comes in. Not much better. 5 of 9 for 73 yards. He did have a rushing touchdown as well. But, I mean... It, I just, like, I really think that a lot of the, the the shine and stuff came off of them in that Texas game. And this was supposed to be an easy game. This was supposed to be a get-well game. Like, let's work out the kinks and everything. And if anything, they have now more questions than they have answers and more concerns coming out of this USF game than they did coming out of the Texas game. I, I agree with that. I'm going to make an NFL reference that I'll then quickly zoom back to how it relates to Alabama. But I'm sure you also watched the Miami Dolphins New England Patriots game. Your Dolphins and are so, looking very good, Charlie. That's a they are. This is going to be one way, one example where they didn't look good because of innovation by New England, which I hate giving them credit. Yes. But the uh, the field goal block where the guy basically ran alongside the line of scrimmage to build up speed mm-hmm. and blocked the field goal, and everyone was like, well, clearly everyone's going to start doing this now. And I think that's right. I think we're going to see a lot of teams trying to do this now and have to come up with ways to counteract that. I do know after at some point after the game, I don't remember if it was Nick Saban or Alabama's offensive coordinator or someone saying that, like, oh, South Florida ran these exotic blitzes we weren't used to, and we just kind of struggled with that. And it's like, well, if you struggled with it now, I think everybody else the rest of the season is going to do it too until you prove you can stop it. Mm-hmm. So you can be like, oh, they weren't used to that. It's like, well, they better get used to it quickly because if it worked, everybody else is going to do the exact same thing. Is there any concern for Florida State after they escaped BC with a two-point win? As long as their quarterback's healthy, which I know he left the game for a bit, came back, I'm not too worried about it. I think I would say, especially since they won, if they would have lost, it would be different. But we see this a lot where, you know, a team goes on the road in a weird time slot, you know, especially I think the early games in a half-empty stadium, it's easy to just kind of lose focus. I think the most important thing is that they won. And, you know, we saw Ohio State lose to Virginia Tech that one year and come back and win the national title. So they have looked good enough in other games that I think this was just kind of a weird blip where the upside form is they found a way to get out of it without a loss. I think you could, if you want to say, like, to put an asterisk by it and say there's cause for concern a little bit, I don't think that's unreasonable, but I, 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 it doesn't dramatically change my opinion about how good they can be this year. I think every just team, because they had a weird road game. 
I think every team has this every one every year. Like at, you know, like yeah, yeah, one of the really good teams. They just happened to catch BC. It was a, a like a it was a red bandana day, uh, the red bandana game. So BC is a little more amped up than usual. It's kind of wet weather and you know a little crazy. It yeah, I'm not. If it shows up again, then there's a little bit more cause for concern. But I'm not concerned about that yet. Uh, let's uh, give a superlative. And the upside is Florida State plays Clemson yet. And you know what? Maybe Clemson's worse than Boston College. Or not. Clemson's maybe. better than Boston College. Yeah. But Clemson looks much worse than we thought going into the year. Maybe. Exactly. Hence, one of the dynasties is falling before our very eyes. Uh, give me a superlative for Harrison Mevis. Me- uh, Me- kicking that 61-yard field goal to win the game against Kansas State for Missouri. Hefty. And he put all his weight into that kick, and he needed to. And I'm not saying that in a way making fun of him. I'm a large man myself. I did not think he was going to get it. It's easy to – I mean, I had forgotten about this until we just mentioned it right there. But it popped into my head that Missouri screwed up the clock and got a delay in game, and they Mm -hmm. had to move him five yards further back. Yep. Which you never want to be like, oh, no, now you're a college kicker. you got to kick it 61 yards. Yep. And I think that they said that that was an SEC record. It's the longest field goal in SEC history, which is crazy. I think An Andy, incredibly long field goal that I didn't expect him to make. Yeah. And he made it look, maybe I shouldn't say easy, but he, he made it look like it was like, oh, yeah, I could do that again. College kickers routinely struggle from inside of 40 yards. And like 40 to 49, it's getting a little dicey. And 50 plus, it's like, yeah, right, they're not going to make this. From 61, how, like, would anyone think that he had a great chance to miss? And plus, he had missed a field goal earlier in the game, if I recall correctly. So, uh, that's not great. But speaking of field goals, how bad did the refs screw Iowa State in their loss to Ohio? They lost by three points. And if you look at that field goal that they kicked, it sure looks like it goes over the the goalpost. Looks like it goes over the flag. Uh, have we not gotten the technology right and ready that you can go and review that? Like, isn't that a reviewable play? It sure looked like Iowa State got screwed. Did you see that that field goal? I did not see it live. It was bad, though. And they, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Iowa State just frequently seems like that. You know, everyone thinks their team's cursed, and it's almost always not true. There's a few where you kind of wonder, and, and Iowa State had some weird things happen to them. I think it, some of it is just that they are generally not that good historically, so I don't think anyone ever gives them the benefit of the doubt on anything. Um, some of it's their own making where they've just screwed up. And, you know, they have all the gambling stuff they have to deal with this year, too. And I don't know. I mean, the uh, what was it, three years ago now, the Iowa State going, you know, one or two losses and playing in the Fiesta Bowl, that mm. seems... Incredible, even though it was only three years ago, it seems like an eternity now. Yeah, a distant memory for sure. Um, finally, uh, Iowa, good job, Brian Ferentz, scored 41 points against Western Michigan, though it took a while for them to even get on the board. Uh, the Western Michigan had a 7 nothing lead there, but uh, Iowa scores a late touchdown too. And you have to th- imagine that Kirk Ferentz is only doing this so his son Brian can stay on as offensive coordinator. That's why they're, you know, uh, you know, running up the score. Uh, 41 points for Iowa. How stunning, uh, how stunned are you by that? I mean, I'm not stunned. As bad as he's been, like, let's not pretend like they've never had good games on offense. And I get why they're doing it. I mean, he's looking out for his kid, Kirk Ferentz. 
I don't think it's going to matter by the end of the year. I still don't think they're going to average 25 per game. Do you think, though, if there wasn't this clause tied to his son's contract that he has to average 25 points per game or he gets fired, that they would have scored that final touchdown? That they would have tried? Oh, no. I think that that's. I, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I think that that's definitely why he did it. I just. I, I mean, I understand how a dad looking out for his kid might think that. I don't think it's going to matter at the end of the year, though, because I just don't think they're going to average enough points anyways. Right. That once conference play starts and teams know what they're going to do and are used to playing Iowa, and you'll probably be stunned to hear this, you know, Big Ten guy yourself, mm-hmm. a few of the teams in that conference can play defense, especially if you're not super, super athletic receiver-wise or, you know, have things that can stretch the field regularly. They're like, oh, no, we're going to – try to win in the trenches. It's like, well, hey, guess what? That's what everyone in Scotland is going to do. Right. Other than maybe Rutgers and Purdue. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, finally, Washington beat Michigan State 41-7. to Washington's a very good team. I think, you know, they're borderline college football playoff team as far as I'm concerned. How much of this was Washington just being so much better than Michigan State? And Michigan State kind of maybe just, I don't know, not showing up with the whole Mel Tucker situation, which now you know Michigan State has fired him with cause. He's got seven days to, um, you know, write back and you know say this is why I shouldn't get fired. Yada yada yada. But Michigan State almost looked like they quit on on Saturday. Or is this more that Washington's just that much better? I think the Mel Tucker stuff probably did not help Michigan State on Saturday. I think it's more Washington being good though. I mean, other than the one kind of miraculous year two years ago, it's not like Michigan State's looked fantastic mm-hmm. under Mel Tucker since then. Um, so I would say it's probably like 70, 75% Washington State. I mean, not Washington State, Washington. And a little bit of Michigan State and that stuff, and, you know, dealing with all of that. But, um, I, I, you know, I mean, going into the year, I thought, oh, yeah, Washington's good. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, I don't know. They might make it now. I mean, there's still a lot of games to be played. But, you know, I think, like, they're, I don't remember if it's total or passing offense or scoring offense, but there's something that they're leading the country in right now. And it's just like, oh, wow, they, uh, yeah, they look pretty good on offense. They're not that bad on defense either. No, they are not. No, they are not. Uh, let's let's turn our attention to week four. As I mentioned, this is a massively good week. I mean, when Florida State Clemson is the appetizer to the slate of games that we have for this Saturday, we're looking pretty good. I mean, I think there are what four matchups, at least four matchups pitting ranked teams against one another. Three of which all fall into the same window, the 3.30 p.m. Eastern window, 2.30 p.m. Central time. You have Colorado uh, at Oregon on ABC, UCLA at Utah on Fox, and Ole Miss at Alabama on CBS. So that is a massive uh, game there. You have Oregon State against Washington State, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central time on Fox. Uh, that's a, a relatively intriguing game. I mean, Oregon State's looked absolutely great uh, so far, but Washington State's been a surprise. The big game, College Game Day, Ohio State at Notre Dame, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC, and Iowa at Penn State. That's ranked two. That game's at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS, 24 against uh, 7. So that is six matchups. 
pitting ranked teams against one another. This should... It, when we build up a weekend as great as this looks to be on paper, it almost never lives up to the billing. But we should be in for a real treat this weekend. I mean, I hope so. I'm sure at least... And this is just the sense I get. I would imagine one or two of those games would be like blowouts and not live up to what we want them to. There will probably be another one or two that maybe aren't like all-time greats, but are like decent games and one team ends up winning. Maybe like, I, I should not easily, but maybe like, oh yeah, you know, they like just for example, like if Ohio State ends up winning like 30 to 17 or something like that, where it's like, oh yeah, they were good and then made enough plays late Notre Dame couldn't get a drive to you know tie the game and then Ohio State scored again and just kind of sat on the ball I would imagine at least like two of these are going to be pretty good games though and I and I hope are really good games I hope more than that do we think there's going to be a lot of upsets here I mean like I mean, Ole Miss at Alabama. I, I don't. I wouldn't call Ole Miss beating Alabama that big of an upset, just based on the rankings. Though Alabama is a seven-point favorite here. I think Iowa beating Penn State would be remarkable. Um, certainly, Colorado beating Oregon. I think this would because it's the real first test. Uh, UCLA beats Utah. I guess that's technically an upset. Uh, and Ohio State and Notre Dame. Like if Notre Dame wins this game. I don't view this as an upset at all uh, because they're at home. The, the The rankings they're three rank like three spots apart. Uh, what What would you What do you think would constitute an upset here of these ranked teams? Like what What games do you think have the best chance? I mean, if we're going like upset, why? I mean, you said Alabama's a seven point favorite. Yes. I think Ole Miss beating Alabama is the most likely upset. I also think that there's a possibility that if what you thought, or you know, you said you, you, you know, a lot of people thought USF would be the get right game yep. for Alabama. I do kind of wonder if there's a possibility that this is somehow that. I don't really think that's going to be the case. I mean, I think it's going to be a dog fight. I think that one's the most likely, though. Um, I I think Colorado. It's the three first games they've had and what they've gone through. Just I, that's got to be so emotionally taxing. Yes, especially the first and the third game and how close those were. To turn around and have to play Oregon now too. I think that that's the one that's probably the least likely to be uh, an upset. Um, I think Notre Dame, you said you didn't think Notre Dame or Ohio State would be an upset. I, mean, I think it'd be a little bit of one. I mean, I'm not saying it would be like a Titanic one. I just think Notre Dame's better than Ohio State. I, I really do, and I think it, it all be. comes we'll down see. to Sam Hartman. I mean, Sam Hartman is fantastic. Uh, he is like the first true quarterback that Notre Dame's had, and it feels like a really long time. It's at South Bend. I I need to see a little more from Kyle McCord in Ohio State before I'm like, okay, Ohio State has a chance to be in the college football playoff discussion. I, I really think Notre Dame is better than them. We'll see. I do want to see how Notre Dame looks against somebody that's good, just because we've seen this in the past at times with Notre Dame. Um, I, I do think it'll be a good game. I'm very excited to see a lot of it. Um, 
there was the other one I was going to say. I mean, UCLA and Utah just seems like a toss up to me. It does. I, mean, I don't. I don't know who's going to. I don't have a clue who's going to win that. Yeah. You could. I mean, I suppose I'd lean Utah, but I don't feel great about that. Oregon State, Washington State, too, is a bit of a toss-up, too. Yeah, that this, one feels like a toss-up, too. But this would... I mean, I suppose I will say, I, I don't know if as recently... I'm trying to think of a few. There have been a lot of years where Penn State's been better than Iowa, but somehow Iowa either pulls an upset or makes it way closer than you'd think it would be. Yep. I could definitely see Iowa being like... Hey, we didn't win, but we found a way to make this like seventeen to ten. Is this a game for Penn State to kind of show the country just who they are? I think Penn State kind of feels like a bit of a a mystery team. Like, how good are they? Is this a chance for the, them to show the country? I how mean, good they it's are? definitely a chance. I mean, you know, we can make all the jokes we want, you know, that are on Twitter and stuff about Iowa. Iowa's been quite good defensively, though. And if Penn State would roll out, you know, win hypothetically, you know, thirty-five to six or something like that, I think everyone would take notice of being like, "Oh wow, that's." I mean, assuming it was not Iowa through four pick sixes, mm-hmm. but if they're scoring against Iowa's defense, I think most people would look at that and think, "Oh wow, that's." impressive to get a lot of points on their defense. It almost feels like it's a first one to thirteen wins that game. I would agree with that, and I think that it's going to be easier for Penn State to get to 13. I would agree. I think it's also the whiteout game, too. Uh, So what are you most excited about this weekend overall? Like I mentioned, we have a ton of games. I've asked you about like these upsets and stuff, but what are you truly excited for from this weekend slate? I think Ohio State-Notre Dame is the one I'm most excited for. Maybe that's just growing up in the Midwest – Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But that they don't regularly play, but they kind of play a little more often than you'd think because they've just met in bowl games a fair amount of times. And uh, it just whoever wins is going to have, like, the first really big inside track to the college football playoff, I feel like. If Ohio State wins, a lot of people are going to think, well, Ohio State still Ohio State. This means they can beat Michigan. This means they can beat Penn State. And conversely, with Notre Dame, if Notre Dame beats Ohio State, even if Ohio State's not quite as good as they've been at other times, I think this very quickly turns into like, oh, Notre Dame's making the playoff again this year. Mm-hmm. Well, and Notre Dame, too, has this, like, I believe they're beginning their stretch of like four college football playoff-like games uh, or against teams like Clemson and USC and stuff within the next month and a half or like uh, like seven games. Like it's a four-game and seven-game stretch that they are going to play against a lot of teams that could ultimately decide whether or not they can make the college football playoff without, you know, with, you know, uh, of course, a conference championship game. Like, they could be a lock for it come conference championship weekend, and they aren't even playing. It all depends on how they play against the likes of Notre Dame. And then you have Duke the week after. I mean, and, and Notre Dame two weeks after that. Clemson another two weeks after that. Like, this is substantial here, what we got with them. Yeah. And then the other one I'm looking forward to for, you know, sicko committee reasons, <laughs> is Alabama and Ole Miss, because one of those two fan bases 
is going to be so freaking upset after that game's over. Mm-hmm. Either Alabama, because they're like, oh no, we have so many problems right now. What is wrong? This is not fair that we're not good. We're always supposed to be good. Or Ole Miss being like, oh my God, Texas beat them. South Florida should have beat them. And now we can't beat this dumb Alabama team that we hate. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people uh, questioning uh, Lane Kiffin, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, how about that? Lane Kiffin, basically, I don't know if I've ever heard of that happening before. An opposing coach being like, yeah, we're pretty sure that they demoted their coordinator. So we're just assuming that this other guy on the roster is actually their coordinator now. One of the stranger things I've seen a uh, coach publicly say. And Lane Kiffin also uh, is kind of in the news, or Ole Miss is in the news, regarding, a, a, what is it, a defensive tackle or whatever that said that... Um, you know, it's not a very good environment. Uh, there's, like, the, the lack of mental health uh, options there. Like, he was pretty, pretty much told, like, get off the team. Like in Oxford? Yeah, yeah. Like I did not see this. Oh, yeah. There, There's a big story regarding um, Ole Miss uh, there. So, yeah, check that out. But, yeah, there's something else swirling around about how great of a person Lane Kiffin is. So, maybe a good football coach, not a great person. Um well, you know, Joey Freshwater himself sometimes rubs people the wrong way. <laughs> if so, Which I'm gonna ask you. better, Joey Freshwater or Ron Mexico for Michael Beck? I think I like Ron Mexico better, but yeah, Freshwater is pretty good. Yes, I would. I think Ron uh, Mexico is a little better, but you're right. Uh, the fr- Joey Freshwater is very good. So I'm going to ask you to kind of let you know play uh, seer for me here next week. When we talk, what are... You want me to look into the future? Yes, look into the future. Use my psychic medium skills like yeah. I'm the lady in the haunting of Venice? Yes, please uh, use your ESPN for this here. <laughs> I can do that. What are we going to be talking about next week? What are some of the big headlines that we're going to talk about? Is this weekend going to live up to the billing? Is there a game that we didn't anticipate being phenomenal is there a performance is there a team that we're like yeah this was really stunning what are we going to be talking about next week i think we're going to be talking about a little bit about colorado like i don't think they're going to get like you know i think colorado will cover i think colorado's probably going to lose i'm going to say like by 14 in a game that's kind of like yeah you know they looked all right and oregon's better and they didn't look terrible but also, they didn't look at times like they did earlier, and we'll talk about whether any of the shines worn off before they have to play USC, another big game for Colorado. The other one, I think it's going to get doubled down, and we're gonna, I'm completely off the bandwagon of what I said uh, for my preseason stuff, and we're going to be like, what's going on with Alabama right now? Why are they so bad on offense? Okay, and I'm going to ask you this right now. On a scale of one, and then I'm going to ask you this next week, too. On a scale of one to ten, how great of a weekend do you think this will be? Not like, oh, we're excited for it now. It's like a nine or ten on paper. But what do you think it actually yeah, will be? Yeah, not our anticipation, but what it's going to be like afterwards yes. on Sunday morning. When yeah, like when you, it. yeah, after, you know, you've consumed all the college football Saturday night, you sleep in Sunday morning, when you get up and you're like, wow. This was a blank weekend, and then I'm going to ask you this on on Sunday or on next week: what you actually thought of it, like what the what ranking you would give it. 
I like comparing things to movies sometimes, and I feel like I've got a good uh, example here. Well, you have a great uh, Twitter account. Uh, you, you review a lot of movies and stuff. You have a great Twitter account, so I think that's a very apt uh, uh, um, or appropriate comparison for you to make. I don't know if uh, you've seen any of these or not, and if you haven't, maybe your uh, millions and millions of listeners, some of them have. This is my guess. I'm going to say it's going to be a seven. It's going to be good. It's going to be kind of like the Ocean's Eleven sequels, okay. where you're like, oh, huh. I don't know if that was as good as I thought it would be. I suppose it was good. Maybe not quite as good as I thought it would be. And then when you get some distance from it, we'd look back weeks later and be like, oh, yeah, that was a pretty good week. You know, maybe it was a little bit different than we thought it would be. Some of the things we thought they'd lean on, they didn't. But it ended up being pretty good all in all. All right. I like that. I like that comparison. I think that's very good. Uh, is there anything else that we need to get to, my friend, before we say so long for the week? Um, I don't think so. I was going to make a Nebraska joke, but they won. So it's fun that they won. I, then we don't need to talk about Nebraska beating a bad Northern Illinois team. Northern Illinois scored the same number of points against Nebraska that they did against Southern Illinois. Yeah, 11 is a weird number to get, especially twice. And they scored late. So that's a... Uh... And they also beat Boston College earlier in the year, who almost beat Florida State. Because college football's really chaotic sometimes. Exactly. Well, it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Six degrees of separation, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Charlie, I hope this is a weekend that uh, is just fantastic for for you uh, specifically, but for all of us here watching college football, hopefully it's a great weekend and uh, looking forward to chatting with you next week about it and uh, looking ahead to, to more college football. Hey, Stacken, I thought this week, the next weekend would be a 7 out of 10. Talking with you is always a 10 out of 10. Though. I appreciate that, buddy. I really do. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Thanks, Charlie. Stacken. Yep. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review, kind enough to spend some time here with us and preview this big week. It is a massive week of college football. As I said, six games pitting ranked teams against one another. If I had to just venture a guess right now as to what is going to happen, give me Florida State to beat Clemson. Uh, Clemson, show me something. So show me something. Game. Give me Oregon over Colorado. Give me Utah over UCLA. Uh, give me Bama. Uh, you know what? Until Lane Kiffin can do it, give me Bama over Ole Miss. Uh, give me oh, that. Give me Notre Dame over Ohio State, and give me Penn State over Iowa. But that, uh, like, I'm big on no Notre Dame. That is the that is the one for me. Um, yeah. So. It was very good there. So great talk with Charlie there. We're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. We'll look back at week two in the NFL and look ahead to week three. And it began last Thursday night with the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Vikings, more turnovers. That's the the story of the season thus far. Four turnovers, uh, all fumbles. And it proved costly. Uh, they got ran through by DeAndre Swift, and the Philadelphia Eagles win 34-28. Justin Jefferson fumbling at the goal line was arguably the game-changer, the momentum shifter in the game, and the Vikings would have won had it not been for that. On Sunday, the Atlanta Falcons beat the Green Bay Packers 25-24. Packers had a 24-12 lead going into the fourth quarter. Jordan Love did not complete a pass in the fourth quarter. Atlanta comes all the way back. Desmond Ritter... 
uh, runs in for a touchdown. They go for it on fourth down instead of kick the field goal with two minutes to go. Arthur Smith, a bit of a gambler. They convert. They kick a field goal. Jordan Love then throws four straight incompletions. And the Falcons ultimately prevail 25-24. Josh Allen had a bad game week one. Great game week two. Three touchdown passes, 80-plus percent completion percentage. Bills roll the Raiders 38-10. Panic in uh, the jungle? I would say so. It's not panic at the disco. It's panic in the jungle. Joe Burrow and the Bengals are 0-2 for the fourth time in the last five years. And no team has started the back-to-back seasons 0-2 and made the playoffs in that second season. Uh, They lose 27-24 to the Ravens. Lamar Jackson looking good through the air. Joe Burrow hurt his calf late in the game. It's a calf injury that you know kind of re-aggravated from training camp and whatnot. Cause for concern as this Bengals offense just does not look great. The Ravens, though, march to 2-0. Seattle goes in and gets the upset win over Detroit, 37-31 in overtime. Tyler Lockett with two receiving touchdowns in this one. Jared Goff threw a pick six. It was his first interception in 383 attempts. It's like the third longest streak of all time without an interception. Uh, the Lions did come back, though, from down 31-21. Eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Tied the game up, but Seattle wins on the lone possession in overtime, 37-31. Anthony Richardson runs in for two touchdowns, had to lead the game with a concussion. Gardner Minshew finished. The Colts finished the, uh, the Texans off 31-20. C.J. Stroud, a great day, almost 400 yards through the air, two touchdowns, but Texans have a lot of holes, and the Colts were able to exploit it, winning 31-20. Welcome back, Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. The Kansas City Chiefs get a 17-9 win over Jacksonville in Jacksonville on a very hot and muggy day. Uh, Chris Jones had one and a half sacks. Travis Kelsey had four catches for 26 yards and a touchdown. It was not a thing of beauty, not a work of art by any stretch for the Chiefs on offense, but they did enough to get the job done. Jacksonville 0 for 3 in the red zone, couldn't score a touchdown at all, and uh, I believe Trevor Lawrence didn't complete a pass there, so that's not good. Uh, in the red zone. So uh, a lot of work to do ahead for Jacksonville. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 2-0. Baker Mayfield, another solid performance. Buccaneers beat the Bears 27-17. Shaq uh, Leonard had a uh, a fumble return for a touchdown or an interception, maybe an interception. Um, Honored his late daughter who passed away in the spring, so that was a touching moment there. But the Buccaneers looking good at 2-0. They beat Chicago 27-17. Chargers are 0-2. They lose to the Titans 27-24 in overtime. No Austin Eckler in this one. Justin Herbert threw for 305 yards, two touchdowns. But the defense just, I mean, they sacked Ryan Tannehill five times. They held Derrick Henry to 80 yards rushing. And they somehow still found a way to lose. Like, this is just, I don't know what the Chargers deal is, but not good. Brandon Staley, their head coach afterward, had some... um, There's ways to handle losses and ways not to, and, and... it was asked if the Jacksonville loss in the playoffs last year had any effect on this. And he's like, no, we've moved on. But it's not a good look for Staley. And he's definitely on the hot seat. Speaking of the hot seat, Brian Dable might have been on the hot seat for the New York Giants. As the New York Giants played six of the worst consecutive quarters of football you will ever see to start a season. Perhaps ever. Uh, they were down 20 to nothing to the Arizona Cardinals. Down at one point, 28-7 in the second half before rallying back with the final 24 points. They scored on all on each possession in the second half, including the game-winning field goal by Graham Gano, 
late uh, in the fourth quarter, and the Giants prevail 31-28, but lose Saquon Barkley to an ankle injury. He is considered week-to-week. Week. We'll see if he plays on a short week this week. 49ers go into L.A. and beat the Rams 30-23. A lot of red in that stadium, uh, so very much a home-like atmosphere for the for the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey had a, a big run. Uh, Brandon, if Brock Purdy played well, uh, give credit to the Rams. Uh, they 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 battled, had a chance, but uh, to win or perhaps tie the game. But Matthew Stafford threw a pick late. They kick the Rams kick a field goal at the end to cover. They were seven. Uh, 49ers were seven and a half point favorites. The Rams covered. A lot of questioning about that, especially with gambling and whatnot. It had no significance on the game whatsoever. There's some question there. The Zach Wilson 2.0 era began in Big D, and it was a big L for the Jets. They lose 30-10. Micah Parsons all over the field in this one. Uh, Wilson throws three interceptions. Did have a touchdown to Garrett Wilson, so that Wilson-Wilson connection working out okay thus far. They have two uh, touchdowns this year already, two touchdown connection, but it was the Dallas defense all over the Jets in this one, and the Cowboys win 30-10. Commanders pull off a stunning comeback. They were down 21-3 in this game against the Denver Broncos. Storm all the way back to take a 35-24 lead. Denver made it 35-27 and had a chance uh, late on a Hail Mary. That was caught. It was tipped around a few times. Eventually caught. 35-33. They go for two. Certainly looked like there was pass interference on St. Just of uh, Washington, but no call was made. And Washington... Improves to 2-0. Denver falls to 0-2 with both losses coming at home. They lose 35-33. So Sean Payton era in Denver not going out, uh, not starting off so great. And who could have seen that coming? Oh wait, several of us. And then Sunday night football, Miami Dolphins beat the New England Patriots 24-17. Bill Belichick did a great job of corralling Tyreek Hill, five catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, but Raheem Mostert had 121 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Patriots offense, not great. They had a chance to, they were driving late. Uh, Pass on fourth down completed to Mike Gusecki. He wasn't going to make it, so he pitches it back to offensive lineman Cole Strange, who who almost gets the first down, was ruled first down on the field. They reviewed it inches shy, and the uh, Patriots once again lose a game by inches over um, to, to the Dolphins. Not good there. And then Monday Night Football, a doubleheader. The New Orleans Saints beat the Carolina Panthers 20-17. to Definite work in progress on offense for Bryce Young and the Panthers. Uh, didn't look good. That touchdown that they scored was late in the game. Uh, the Saints' defense looking pretty good. That was their first touchdown allowed all season. And then, unfortunately, in the Browns-Steelers game, Nick Chubb, the running back for the Browns, Got uh, suffered a devastating knee injury. He's out for the year. We'll see if his career is potentially in doubt. It, it's bad. So bad that they didn't even show the replay of it on the game cast. But when they showed it on the big screen at the stadium, there was an audible gasp from the crowd there. Uh, just how bad this was. The Steelers get two defensive touchdowns. Their offense is still a work in progress. Even though George Pickens had, what, a 71-yard touchdown catch? Uh, Browns probably should have won this game still despite that injury. But Deshaun Watson didn't play great. It's chippy, sloppy, a lot of penalties. Pittsburgh prevails 26-22. to 
That's your week two games. Let's uh, make some early picks for week three. In the NFL, begins Thursday night with the uh, the New York Giants at the San Francisco 49ers, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on Prime Video. Don't overthink it. Don't think that the Giants have just suddenly uh, figured things out after one good half of football. The 49ers are better. It's their home opener. 49ers roll in this one. Sunday, the 0-2 Chargers at the 0-2 Vikings, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. I went back and forth on this at the beginning of the season. Like, do I pick the Chargers to win? Do I pick the Vikings to win? Pick the Vikings to win then. I'm going to pick them to win now. you got to stop with the turnovers, but this Chargers defense isn't good. A lot of questions around them. Don't be shocked if the Chargers win. I'm not like this is a very much a pick 'em game, but I will ride with the Vikings to get their first win of the season. Indianapolis Colts at the Baltimore Ravens, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. We don't know if Anthony Richardson's going to play. Gardner Minshew plays. The Colts will be fine, but the Ravens are better. Baltimore wins this one. Tennessee Titans at the Cleveland Browns, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. We'll see what kind of effect the Nick Chubb injury has on the Browns and their offense. Uh, will there be a lingering like hangover effect? Will they come out a little flat? They should still beat the Titans. They're better than the Titans. They'll beat Tennessee. Atlanta Falcons at the Detroit Lions, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Lions lost last week to Seattle. Atlanta's 2-0, but this is their first road game. Give me Detroit in this one to bounce back with a win. But we'll see if the Falcons uh, can show out. That should be an interesting game. New Orleans Saints at the Green Bay Packers, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. Uh, big game here for the Packers, Jordan Love era. So his first start at home in the post-Aaron Rodgers era. Saints are 2-0. Can they get a, Can they start the season 3-0? That defense is great. I'm going to go with the Packers here. Uh, if Aaron Jones and Christian Watson play, they should be okay. We'll see if that's the case as both are dealing with hamstring injuries. That caused him not to play Sunday against Atlanta. So we'll see, but we'll ride with the Packers at home. Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. Don't overthink it. Take Jacksonville here. Far superior team. They'll bounce back after last week's game against uh, Kansas City with a win against Houston. Denver Broncos at the Miami Dolphins, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. Again, don't overthink this one. It's hot in Miami. This is Miami's home opener. They deal with the heat. Sean Payton, the Broncos, they don't. They deal with the mile-high, thin air. Dolphins will roll the Broncos in this one. New England Patriots at the New York Jets, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. This is a tough one for me. Uh, the, the Jets haven't fared well against the Patriots in a long time. Patriots aren't great. Uh, that The offense hasn't been great against the Jets. Defense is a low-scoring game. I'll take the Jets to win, but don't be surprised if the Patriots prevail. Buffalo Bills at the Washington Commanders, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. I, I just don't trust Washington yet. I think Buffalo's defense corrals Sam Howell. I think Buffalo's got a better team. Josh Allen will have a good game. I like the Bills to win. Carolina Panthers at the Seattle Seahawks, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Sorry, Carolina. Short week, flying all the way cross country. Mm, nope. Seattle's offense, too good. Seattle gets the win here. Dallas Cowboys at the Arizona Cardinals, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Listen, Arizona's played very well here through two weeks of the season, and this is their third straight NFC East team to begin the season, but Dallas is way too good. A lot of Cowboy fans will be in the building for this one. Cowboys roll. 
Chicago Bears at the Kansas City Chiefs, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Bears have a lot of issues to deal with or to figure out. Justin Fields hasn't looked great in the offense thus far. Isn't going to get any better against Chris Jones and company. Patrick Mahomes will have a fine day, though, and the Chiefs will win. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Las Vegas Raiders, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Steelers defense is great. Um, Raiders home opener. There will be a lot of Steelers fans in the stadium. We're going to ride with the Raiders here, though, to get the win. If Devontae Adams plays. There's a chance he doesn't because he has a concussion. So we'll follow that closely. And then we have another Monday Night Football doubleheader. Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 7.15 p.m. Eastern, 6.15 p.m. Central Time on ABC. Can you believe both these teams are 2-0? I believe in the Eagles more than the Bucs. Eagles get the win. Uh, Though Baker Mayfield could surprise yet again. And then the LA Rams at the Cincinnati Bengals. 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. All right, Bengals, this is a must-win game for you. They're going to play with that. We'll see what... If Joe Burrow plays, the Bengals win. If he doesn't, the Rams win. Desperation's on the side of the Bengals. I'll go with the Bengals there. And those are your Week 3 picks. Official picks and predictions can be found in the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com, in our Football Friday post. Appreciate all of you for listening. Uh, This has been a bit of a difficult week, uh, the one-year anniversary of my mom passing away. So, Mom... I know you're listening from afar, uh, so love you, thinking of you every day. Um, uh, know you're in a better place, pain-free, and, and that's all that matters. So love you, Mom. Um, and with that being said, this has been this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, follow me on X at Indy Stacken, Charlie Hildebrand on X at C.E. Hildebrand, Travis Krenz on X at Travis Krenz, Facebook Nathan Stack, and a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Uh, next week, lots to re- cover. Uh, baseball, final week of the regular season. Look forward to that. Of course, we have co- reaction to the big weekend, we hope, in college football and plenty of NFL reaction as well. For, so for Travis and Charlie, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast, which is available on podcast.com and on iTunes. So definitely uh, look us up there, take a listen. Uh, subscribe. Um, Be great. So again, for all of us, have a great week. Enjoy all this wonderful football that we have. And we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.